Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of January 2023. I hope that you're doing well out there. Nice to see all of you again. Um, hope that you had a nice holiday weekend or week or have been restoring yourselves in the the bomb cyclones of the Midwest or the eastern part of the United States. That's what we're going through here uh, in my neck of the woods in Michigan in the United States is a pretty cold uh, week uh, where we had single digits and negative, you know, 15, 20 degrees wind chills and all of those things. So um, just kind of hunkering down and I'm um, trying to see, you know, review the year and, and look forward to the year ahead. So I hope that you're all doing well out there and staying warm. I'm going to go look at the chat here and welcome some of our friends joining us. Always happy to see all of you. Uh, Dale is here. Dale Martin is here from Oklahoma. Nice to see you, friend. Rachel is joining us from Virginia. Welcome, Rachel. Um, Yana is here. Artemis Phosphorus in Childhood Home for Holidays. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right. Very cool. I, I spent some time in Pittsburgh uh, a while back. Very cool. Very cool town, like kind of in between rock formations and the river, all sorts of cool stuff there. Uh, Amolt is here from Bavar the Bavarian Hill in Germany. Very cool. I hope I'm saying your, na your name correctly. I apologize if I butchered that, friend. Taria is here from Finland. Lynn is joining us from Vermont. Raven is stopping in from icy Kansas. <laughs> all right. Um, Carolina is here from Barcelona, Spain. Welcome, friend. Uh, Jody is joining us here from South Florida. It's a chilly 55 degrees. Oh no, Jody, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna perish in the 55 degree weather there. It's probably like 10 degrees out where I'm at right now, and that's about 10 degrees warmer than it's been. Prudence is here. Hello, Prudence. Fion is joining us from Ireland. Um, Let's see, KP1231 is joining us from Cleveland. Beth is here today. Hello, Beth. Um, welcome, friends. So, so many people joining in. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Welcome. Cherry is here from Chico, California. I bet it's pretty nice out there. Chico, is that, that's actually where Aaron Rodgers is from. So, very cool. Welcome, friend. Um, so, let's uh, figure out what we're going to do today. I'm going to probably be spending a few hours with you. So, buckle in for the long haul, as we like to do here. Um, we're going to be going through the astrology of January. We'll take a few breaks here and there just so you can get some snacks, get some, get stretched out, use the bathroom if you need to. Um, but uh, yeah, feel free to put a question in the chat box at any point. Um, if you want to make some observations of your own as we go through with this, I always, always love seeing the way that you see the sky as well. And oftentimes people who are participating in the chat are pointing out some things that, um, you know, are new to me that are coming to light. So um, always appreciate all of you. So a couple business things before we dive into the astrology today. Uh, I do have a sale going on as I usually do. I try to give a discount on some of the services or, or webinars that I'm doing. And this is Capricorn season. So we're going to have a sale, 20% off sale on the Deccans of Capricorn. Uh, so you can find that at a link to my store on, in the description of this video or however you are consuming this content. You can go to my website, Spencer Michaud, to find that and get 20% off the Decans of Capricorn. That's a webinar that I did that combines tarot, astrology, fixed stars, mythology, all of the, I don't know, all of the different systems that I try to blend together into some kind of interesting um, exploration of the, the zodiac, so to speak. 
Um, and then what else? There's This is a great time to reach out for a transit reading. Um, my books will be open again in January. They're open right now. You can schedule things in January right now. I'm just taking kind of a week off from reading in the end of December. Um, but yeah, if you want to look at the three or six month periods ahead in January, if you want to do a year ahead, we can do that too. Um, you can book that on my website at the book now button at spencermichaud.com. It's a great time to kind of figure out what 2023 has in store for you. And if you'd like to make a donation, if you're feeling generous in this holiday season, you want to make a donation to the work that I do here, a couple ways you can do that. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. You can donate in the chat today with a little dollar sign, uh, which is called a super sticker or super chat. And that helps me to keep the lights on, helps me to buy new books, all these things. It's all, all kind of, you know, it's going towards the creation of these videos. So I appreciate all of that. All right. I think that's the business that I have today. Uh, as always, the, the, the most important, the easiest thing you can do to support me today is hit the like button on this video to increase the visibility and the algorithm and also to subscribe to the channel and to my newsletter. Um, I'm going to be launching another guided group study session uh, in January. So if you want to get a heads up when that's going to be starting, I'm probably going to start that around the after the new moon in Aquarius that we'll talk about today. So I want to make sure that you know when that's going to go live. Uh, so sign up for the newsletter to figure out when you can sign up for that. Um, we're probably going to be finishing off Demetra George's Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice Volume 2, doing the third section with a lot of timing techniques. Um, you don't necessarily have to have gone through the first section uh, in the fall, but we had a really great time and we had a really great group and we'd welcome some new new faces and energy as well. And we'll get you up to speed if you missed out on the first part of it. Um, we're probably going to be doing a little bit of Vedius Valens uh, at the end of the winter session as well. I usually do these in six-week periods. So you can sign up for six weeks and we'll have a, a Discord group where we can have discussion. We can you know, talk to one another about the stars, our observations, and just have a little bit of accountability with one another, which I think is, is fun. Um, okay, that is what I have as far as the business stuff. And thank you so much, Jody, for the super sticker. You are amazing. And I love that you have a little soccer goal, uh, <laughs> little person on there, which is cool. I spent some time recently um, analyzing the World Cup and watching the World Cup. I don't usually watch um, football as far or international football or soccer, as they call it in the States, that much. But I got kind of swept up in the spirit with my international friends and um, I think I became an honorary Croatian, <laughs> but I just like seeing all of you happy and love uh, seeing some of the joy on your faces. Um, so whoever is supporting their teams, I, I appreciate that loyalty. All right, friends. So that is the business we've got for today. Let me know how your winter has been going, how your holiday season's been going. It's been, like I said, it's been cold around here. Um, you know, someone is asking me if I got any new books for Christmas. <laughs> like, not yet. Most of the books, here's how it kind of works now. I used to get books for Christmas. Now, I sort of am my own Santa Claus when it comes to books. I'll just kind of books buy books as I'm going along. But I did, that's actually a good segue, because I did want to show you a book that I'm excited about, that I've been reading, which is called The Flowering Wand, Rewilding the Sacred Masculine, Lunar Kings, Trans Species Magicians, and Rhizomatic Harpists by Sophie Strand. This is one of my recommendations, I think. Really great book, um, talking about how myth uh, is sort of like um, the mycelium system 
of a mushroom, like the, the fruiting body being the myths that we see in various cultures, but the, the essence of those myths are the, the, uh, the, the underground mycelium that are connected throughout time and space, sort of the essence of those. And it's, she's making some really great points. It's very well researched, finding out some really interesting things about mushrooms in particular as well. Uh, one thing I wasn't completely aware of is that the spores of mushrooms actually seed clouds for the rain that we receive, which I thought was a really cool, um, a really cool scientific fact where we're kind of seeing the, the cycling of, the, of as above, so below, right? The, the, the process of uh, connecting the sky and the land. And that was really exciting to me because as a fairly earthy, somewhat practical person, being able to ground this wisdom into something um, earthy and embodied, I think is very, is a very good thing. I think that's something we should aspire to in the work that we do here. So I recommend that one. That's the book that I've been kind of like doing when I just have some, some free time, I'll read that book. Um, looking through the chat. Oh, thank you, Yana. Thank you for the super sticker. Appreciate you, friend. Okay. Uh, thank you. These are those are great. Uh, you're basically buying me a book, so that's awesome. I love I love that. So thank you so much, friends. Okay, so th so that's my book recommendation for the month: "The Flowering Wand" by Sophie Strand. Really great book. She's got, I think she's a Sagittarius stellium. So there's uh, some some unifying themes there that I really like. Um, let's see. Oh yes, and Yana says check out "Fantastic Fungi" by Paul Stamens with. The amazing Louis uh, Schwartbaum cinematography. Yeah, so that's funny that you mentioned that because the, the other book that, that Sophie Strand got me to purchase that she was referencing was Mycelium Running, How Mushrooms Can Help Save the World by Paul Stamets. Okay, so this probably is some of the similar information, but in book form. But I'll have to check out the, the, um, the movie version, which is very cool. Uh, so yes, I am... I love this idea of our collective unconscious being like um, the underground networks of mushrooms um, because it, it is a very unifying type of way. It's a, it's a really interesting theory that she's pointing out, Sophie Strand, about how we can make our masculinity, I guess, less, less violent, you know, more unified, um, giving not just men, but the masculine principle a different perspective on on how what kind of roles we could play R roles as healers, which I think is something that I try to embody on this channel. Um, so I'm just finding a lot of um, recognition within that book. So check it out. Check out Paul Stamets work. Uh, great recommendations, Yana. Okay. So friends, let's talk some astrology. Uh, let's see. January 2023. We're starting a whole new year, aren't we? We are uh, Gonna see some really interesting things this month. Let's talk about some of the big picture thoughts. Um, actually, before I do that, I have one last announcement that I want to make before I I kind of dive into things. I want you to make sure that if you are tuning into this channel, I have a really special guest coming up on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, the 29th of December. I've got my good friend Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology is going to join me to talk about the full moon in Cancer. Excuse me. So that should be really fun. So make sure you put that on your calendar. Join me for that live at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, he's got some really great insights, and I think we should have a lot of fun talking astrology, sports, all sorts of interesting things. Um, really enjoy uh, my conversations with him. So mark that on your calendars. Okay, let's talk about the astrology of January. 
I, dig I digress. Uh, we have, uh, we'll go over lunations. We'll go over some of the ingresses or planets moving into different signs. We'll talk about some of the solar phases that we have this month, the out-of-bounds planets, and the it's what, something that I'm noticing that I have, um, I would like to hear your opinions on. Uh, we may have Venus moving through a malefic enclosure this month as well. Um, it's a little, there's some of the details with it are a little fuzzy, and when I get to that, I will kind of explain that in greater depth. Um, but I think it's something to put on our radars as a possibility. Okay, so the lunations that we're going to experience for the month. So this is sort of your big picture. This is These are kind of the things that you'd find in your honeycomb planner or something like that, just so we can kind of see what, what we're going to be experiencing. Big picture, and then we'll get granular. We'll go into the details. We'll kind of discuss it. I will talk about the different decans that we're going to experience with the sun and some of the meanings and like maybe like a little preview of some of my Deccan's webinars, you can get the the, the more in-depth version uh, if you do the two and a half, three hour webinars that I do on each sign. But I'll give you a little bit of the flavor of it. And that'll help us to contextualize everything that we're gonna see on the daily. So we have a full moon. We're gonna start the month with a, with a, a full moon leading up to a full moon on January the 6th at 16 degrees of, of Cancer. We will have a last quarter moon at 24 degrees of Libra. So that's going to be the Libra moon squaring the Capricorn sun, whereas that full moon was the Capricorn sun opposing the Cancer moon. Uh, we will have a new moon in Aquarius, one degree Aquarius, on the 21st of January, and then a first quarter moon at eight degrees of Taurus squaring the Aquarius sun. We are seeing a few ingresses. Venus will be moving into Aquarius on January the 2nd and then potentially into a malefic enclosure. Uh, this is where Venus is going to be in between uh, rays, okay, cosmic rays, I guess you would call it, of Mars, of the trine. It'll make its trine to Mars, and then it will start applying to a conjunction with Saturn. And I, the only reason I'm like, I'm a little bit iffy about how bad this could be, and usually enclosures are something that make uh feel like obstacles, feel like there's things that are holding us back, and we may very well feel some of those things. Um, this is going to be a trine aspect from a malefic, so I, I feel like that there's a little bit of mitigation there uh, with the trine to Mars. Um, I also think that there will be various times where the moon might intersect that malefic enclosure and break it up temporarily, but we'll take a look at that as when we look at the chart in depth. Um, but it's something to keep on your radar. That's going to be from uh, the 9th to the 22nd. And it's going to be from the time that Venus makes its trine to Mars retrograde in Gemini to the time that it conjoins Saturn in the third decan of Aquarius. Uh, from 8 degrees of, of uh, Aquarius to 24 degrees of Aquarius. Okay, so that's Venus. The Sun's going to ingress into uh, Aquarius on the 20th of January, which is its... Um, it's exile. So it is in its detriment at that point. It's in a place that is very foreign to it. It's in the house of Saturn. So it's a place when the sun is very is weak and it's difficult to to you know feel the warmth of the sun, feel a sense of maybe individual purpose. And we may have to focus more on a collective purpose that Saturn may be tasking us with. On the 26th of January, Venus is going to be moving into its exaltation 
in Pisces. So that's kind of exciting. I think after we go through that potential uh, Venus and malefic enclosure type of period, then Venus moves into its exaltation and we get probably a, a, a sweet sense of relief, I would say, in Venusian matters. And this also applies to um, the areas that Venus will rule in your chart, which are the Taurus houses and the Libra houses. This is something that you learn when you study ancient astrology is that you want to see that planet as providing resources for other topics in your life. And in this case, it's going to be providing resources from both the Aquarius topic and the Pisces topic, but feeding like the mycelium, right? Feeding different parts of the forest. You know, you have something that is going to fruit the fruiting body. I mean, if we take this metaphor, I love this metaphor. We can play with this metaphor of mushrooms. I love mushrooms. I'm a mushroom hunter. I like to go out into the the wilderness and, and harvest wild mushrooms with my partner, Tanya. That's something that we found a lot of joy doing over the years with like reishi mushrooms, um, with morels and things like that. So uh, I'm very familiar with these these beings, these interstellar beings on some level. Uh, but we could see that maybe the planet in a certain houses is the fruiting body and it might be feeding energy to a different part of our life. And if we try to understand those connections, I think we'll be able to understand how the astrology is playing out in our charts and our lives and, and be able to make better choices when we're faced with some of those decisions. So those are the ingresses. Solar phases. The solar phases is anytime we have a planet that is either beginning a cycle when it's in Kazemi or conjunction with the sun, uh, whenever a planet is going stationing direct or stationing retrograde, switching directions. I also include when a planet is emerging from under the beams of the sun or going underneath the beams. So these are uh, those are conditions of phasis that are really uh, instructive in the way that we uh, understand what a planet might be experiencing with its, its uh, rebirth, its renewal, whether that planet is doing things visibly or behind the scenes. Th those are things that we can understand from a planet going underneath the beams or emerging from the beams. Um, so here's what we have for solar phases. On January the 7th, Mercury uh, retrograde, which Mercury will retrograde at the end of this week in, in December, uh, I believe it, uh, Thursday the 29th, as I'm recording this, the last week of December, it will station retrograde at 24 degrees of Capricorn. So he's starting off the month with a retrograde Mercury in Capricorn. So right after that full moon, we're going to have a conjunction with the sun where Mercury is going to be renewed in the heart of the sun. So that's where we're going to get some kind of download about maybe our what we want to build for the new year, what we want to, what our vision is, what, what resources we have, what material resources we have, and how we want to apply them. Um, on the 12th, Mars will station direct. So this is, we've had a long retrograde of Mars and Gemini. Uh, it will station direct at eight degrees of Gemini. So it, it's going to, we still got Mars and Gemini periods, but uh, now it'll be direct and we'll have, we'll have examined maybe things from alternative perspectives. And hopefully that will give us the means to eliminate some of the distractions, to live our truth and make some choices uh, on the path that we want to infuse our energy and our essence into and things that we want to grow into fruition instead of just maybe visiting every single flower like a, a bee or a pollinator might do in Gemini. On the 14th of January, Mercury will emerge as a morning star. So when Mercury is making that Kazemi, that conjunction with the sun, it will be under the beams, right? It'll be uh, invisible. 
and it will it will get renewed in the heart of the sun it will get infused with solar purpose with solar energy solar fire and then it will start moving away from the sun and emerge at a moment of phosphorus where it's you know it's really important to pay attention to the messages in particular that you receive with mercury um, emerging as the morning star on the 14th because those could be really important um, showing you how to embody some of the things and the ideas that you felt at the Kazemi. So shortly after that, Mercury will station direct at eight degrees of Capricorn. So things will start moving forward again with the mercurial areas of your life. Let's say the fruiting body of Mercury is in Capricorn. That's what we see visibly, but it is going to be feeding through the mycelial networks. It's going to be feeding the Gemini and Virgo parts of your chart. So those topics that Virgo and Gemini are placed in in your chart are going to be um, affected by Mercury moving direct again. Also on that day, the Sun is going to be conjoining Pluto. So this is a Sun-Pluto conjunction at 20 degree, 28 degrees of Capricorn as well. So this is something where we're going to be kind of seeing uh, some clarity around maybe some power dynamics, some power struggles, maybe things that we repressed, uh, the way that we take responsibility in our life. And we'll talk about this more as we get to it. Uh, on the 22nd, we're going to see Uranus stationing direct at 14 degrees of Taurus. So another point in time where we might be able to bring some new um, rhythms into our life that are progressive, potentially, that are breaking up some of our old routines and, and helping us to see what we need and what, how, we, how our daily habits can move us forward in a new way. So we're breaking out of our rut. And I want to say thank you, Rachel, for the super sticker. I appreciate you. Uh, it says, thank you, Spencer, uh, for showing up all year and offering rich insights into the transits and into the tides of life. Well, Rachel, thank you. I appreciate you, friend. Okay. Um, and our friend, our good friend, uh, Remco is here, our, our lovely moderator from the Netherlands. Welcome, friend. And other, other friends that are joining us in midstream here. So the last solar phase that we have for the month uh, is right at the end of the month, at the 30, on the 30th of January, Saturn is going to move under the beams, which is, is interesting because Saturn probably makes slightly less of these solar phases, right, than some of these other planets because it moves slow. Although, you know, the sun moves at the same rate every year on some level. So, uh, you know, we're going to see this once a year, Saturn moving under the beams of the sun. So this is an interesting point in time where I think that Saturn under the beams is Saturn becoming weaker, okay? Saturn taking to its sickbed uh, so that it is, all of the boundaries, all of the structures start to dissolve when Saturn goes under the beams to, to really prepare us for some kind of new blueprint structure that we want to build our society from. And it's very much a collective event. So I think that there, we'll talk about this in depth when we get to the end of the month. Um, but we may be going through some really significant restructuring efforts by the end of January, especially with Saturn going under the beams. And I think that it's really important when Saturn is under the beams to really be careful about how you set boundaries and limits in your life. Sometimes we can uh, be less inclined to, to honor Saturnian necessity when Saturn is under the beams. Sometimes we're like, I'm tired of doing of be, doing the mature, responsible thing. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I understand that impulse because that's a human impulse, right? 
sometimes Saturn can be a tough teacher. But I would highly recommend that that you still kind of respect some of the things that Saturn is asking you to do because there's always a sobering moment when we ignore Saturn. There's always a, a snapback. I like to describe that as the rubber band that will snap back on us. If we get too far away from our responsibilities, too far away from our realities, we will f- experience a very painful snapback. And that, and sometimes you can alleviate that by, with moderation. If you only stretch it halfway, the snapback to reality is going to be a lot gentler. See that? It's like breathing, right? Okay, we don't want to hold our breath too long or we're going to like pass out, okay? We got to breathe regularly. Okay, so that's the solar phases that we have for the month. We do have some out-of-bounds planets. Mars will still be out-of-bounds for the entire month. Uh, even throughout its stationing direct, uh, it, it was it basically turned or out, went out-of-bounds when it turned retrograde. Um so it will still be in that condition. Again, out-of-bounds planets are operating outside the norms of what we would normally expect socially from them. doesn't mean that it's always necessarily bad. It just means that they can be acting with their own agenda in place. They're not really respecting the, 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 the solar king, so to speak. So, so the way we express our anger, the way that we express conflicts, could still be a little bit unexpected. It could, it's, people could be, you know, using the tools of Mercury communication or the tools of Gemini, right? Uh, communication, things like social media, Twitter, all of these things. We're seeing all these conflicts in, in those spheres, um, the breakdown of some of those things as well. Like, um, be really curious to see how the whole Twitter drama plays out with Elon Musk and things like that. There's, there's very much an out-of-bounds energy going on with that right now. Um, but that's going to be going on all month. The moon is going to be out-of-bounds three separate times, usually for about four to five days at a time. So we have an out-of-bounds moon from the 3rd to the 8th, the 18th to the 21st, and then the 30th uh, will finish out the month with an out-of-bounds moon from January 30th to February 4th. So... When we have the moon out of bounds, maybe our emotions are a little bit, uh, you know, extreme. They they could swing wildly. Uh, our, we may feel a little bit out of sync with our bodies. We may feel like we want to receive nurturing in a different way or give nurturing in a different way. Um, all of these things could be coming to the fore when we have an out of bounds moon. And we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the dailies as well. Okay, we do have a hexagram that we'll talk about at the end of the show that re- talks about nourishment and how we feed ourselves and are we feeding ourselves the right things, the right information, the right foods, all of these things. I think that sometimes when we go through difficult times in the winter, we can try to make ourselves feel better, <laughs> like sweets or snacks or treats or things like that. And, you know, no shame if that's if that's your go-to. But eventually, like that rubber band of Saturn, we have, we're going to have to deal with the, the consequences of those choices. And... Moderation, I think, is the, the key, right? And we'll talk about an animal. We've, we got the same animal that we got last month. So obviously the symbolism is going to um, probably be poignant for these last few few months here. It was the octopus. So just spoiler alert. Uh, and I'll talk about that more as we get to, to go through the show. All right, just checking in on the chat here. Thank you all for stopping in today. Super excited to be joining you. 
just looking for any questions or comments here. Thank you for your patience. Uh, Carolina is saying, also check out Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. I will. That's a good, uh, that's a good suggestion, Carolina. I'm always, always looking for ways to find more connections with nature and spirituality. That's something that um, I started a master's degree in, in uh, comparative religion. And for various circumstances in my life came up where I switched gears and went into music before I finished that, but um, took a number of classes on, you know, how to connect uh, nature and spirituality. And, and that was always an interest of mine. So any more recommendations like that, I'm, I'm super into it. Blame my Taurus moon. Um, okay. <laughs> We've got some people that are getting nervous about the malefic enclosures. Yeah, and rightfully so. They can be challenging, um, especially friends that have Taurus and Libra placements. That can It can be a tough time. Um, but hopefully I'll help you to understand what we might be able to do within that time. We'll break down the symbolism, what we might be experiencing. And again, even though that feels like a long time with Venus there, I do think there will be various times where the moon is kind of interceding and breaking it up and giving us uh, a little bit of a break from it. So maybe longer term, we may feel a little bit stuck, but we're going to have moments where we're going to get some relief, I think, with the moon intersecting. And I'll try to make sure I'm pointing out those little breaks as well. Okay. Rachel is trying to work with out-of-bounds planets more. Okay, good. Yeah, so I'll help, I'll help you uh, uncover that a little bit more. Um... Oh, hello, Paul from Scotland. Uh, chiming in about octopus arms operating as separate brains. Yes, multitasking. I think that's something that that um, I'm not super surprised to see the octopus pop up again for this month. And I think the octopus really speaks to Mars and Gemini and its retrograde cycle and us trying to figure out how to manage all of these different things in our life and uh, maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I think that that's something I've been feeling a lot lately is just trying to manage all these different parts of my life, domestically, professionally, uh, just, you know, with my house, with my, my job, and trying to see, reflect on how things went the past year uh, and try to figure out maybe how to make some shifts or some changes. This is always what we do around this solstice time and Capricorn energy is we, we review you know, we really take some time to review whether things were working or not, and what kind of new goals we want to set to to give us a little spark of life, right? To have that spark of life returning. Okay, so these are great recommendations, friends. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shake it out. We're at like about 20, 30 minutes. Shake it out. If you want to, stand up. Uh, because you don't want to sit too long. Shake it out a little bit, okay? And then before we dive in to the uh, astrology of January and the, the little more daily parts of it, it's always good to make sure that you're moving your body a little bit. This is something that I've really had to uh, build into these, these marathon live streams is I can't sit for three hours at a time. I need to shake it out every 20 minutes or so. So... Whoever out there has uh, got my my break calculator <laughs> or my break timer, I appreciate all of you. Okay, let's start talking about some of the things we might experience 
in the we're going to progressively go from the 30,000 foot view and we're going to kind of sort of pinpoint down smaller and smaller as we go through our show today. Just so, you know, if you only had 20 minutes and you wanted to get the big picture, you got it. If you want to keep, go to the medium picture, here it is. If you want to stick around for every detail in good Virgo fashion, I'm here for it. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about the sun moving through the second decan of Capricorn. So we're going to start the month off with the sun roughly around 10-ish degrees of Capricorn. And this is a decan. And a decan, for those of you who are new to this concept, is a 10-degree section of the zodiac. This is, this is something that I've really incorporated into what I do here on this channel and in my practice, is connecting astrology with tarot, uh, with these decans, and seeing some of the esoteric meanings behind it to give us some visual narratives and stories that we can work with, with concepts that can be somewhat um, ambiguous, it can be somewhat airy sometimes, I would say. To me, this grounds it. To me, this gives me something to, to meditate on that is a little bit different than what you'd see sometimes. So, and thank you, Michelle, for the super sticker. Appreciate you. So here is the Three of Pentacles, which is the tarot card that is syncretized, which is a fancy word of being just kind of like connected with in a, a mycelial network fashion with the second decan of Capricorn. This is a Mars ruled decan. Every decan has its own planetary ruler. Uh, so you can think about this. I, I often think about these as like Mars in Saturn's house. So this is a, a decan where we may feel like it's like Mars and Capricorn. We're building something, okay? We are trying to take our material resources and build something for the future. We already had the first decan of Capricorn which we're experiencing right now as we speak, which was the, the two of pentacles, where we're weighing the advantages and disadvantages of our resources, of the goals, of where we've been. We're reviewing where we've been and we're trying to decide where we're going. It can feel like we're juggling a lot of things at once, octopus style. Once we get to the beginning of January though, we've probably taken stock. We've probably assessed our resources. We've said, you know, this is where I want to go. This is what has worked. This is what hasn't. I would like to embody this in the next year, in the coming weeks and months ahead. And then it says, all right, let's get to work. Let's start building this. Let's take all the, the different factors into consideration. In this card, you see three figures that are building a very ornate structure. Uh, you have the artist. You have the, the government official that has like maybe the budget or the plan. Uh, and you have the, the clergy saying, is, is this, is what we're building divinely inspired? Is it, is, is it have meaning, right? So we're trying to balance all those things out. I think just on a practical level, we may be starting to work with other people and, and gaining um, helpers around this period of time. People that can help us to enact our vision. We've decided throughout the beginning of Capricorn season that we want to be able to do this specific thing and oftentimes that requires cooperation from the people around us from our family from our community from our co-workers all of those things so this may be a great time to start figuring out what support that you have your support systems and this period of time is going to go through the first of january to the 10th all right usually about 10 days like a decan 
generally is, you know, we've got 360 degrees in the zodiac. We've got roughly 365 days in a year. Sometimes we have a little extra hours here. Um, but if you divide all that up, the decans roughly split up into 10 day periods. Uh, there is a spirit or a daimon that is associated with this decan called Hygieia, which is the goddess of good health and the, the daughter of Asclepius, one of the great healers in the Greek pantheon. So one of the things that I think about with this decan is that for us to achieve something ambitious, and there is ambition in this decan, sometimes people would would venture to say hubris. We have to make sure that that what we're doing is meaningful. We're not just trying to build some kind of material empire just without infusing it with purpose and meaning, because that can backfire on us. But we have to you know, take care of our bodies as well during this period of time. When we're trying to, to work very hard and toil away and struggle to, to be able to bring things into form, we need fuel. We need good fuel. We need good food. We need rest. We need sleep. We need balance. Um, because you're, you're going to be much more effective in the work that you do if you take care of this, this vehicle, this vessel that you have. And I have some really interesting thoughts about uh, the, the, the vehicle. <laughs> like I, there's this really great tarot reader. Um, she, her name is Lim, Liminal Sight is, the, is the, uh, the account on Instagram. And she has these really great insights on the tarot and was pointing out recently some insights about the chariot card and how the body of the person in the chariot is actually in the cement, like is like part of it and how that we, we are, we are these bodies, you know, we, you know, we are animated as well, but um, I'll have to think about that a little bit more and I'll have to kind of, I just, there's that brought up some really interesting meditations uh, about the connection between spirit and body and how part of the challenge that we've had over history is, I think of part of the thing that Sophie Strand is really talking about in The Flowering Wand, is that we've, we've moved from what she calls storm gods to sky gods, where storm gods like Zeus, there is an interplay between the, the spores of the mushrooms uh, going up into the air and creating clouds, and then the, the, the reciprocal cycle of energy that where the, those, those spores of the mushrooms actually attract magnetically, they attract water molecules and get heavy, and then that's how, what creates the rain. Um, and, I'm, and I apologize to you scientists out there if I'm butchering the science behind that, but that's the gist of it, I think. And um, when we separated out the body and the spirit and uh, our relationship to the earth, I think we started seeing some of the um, the abuses that we've been experiencing as far as like that have led to things like climate change where we thought that we have dominion over the earth and we have uh, we're not just stewards it was just here as our playground to to take advantage of and to like use instead of being part of a bigger and greater system so I, i'm i'm really liking the way that she is connecting the body and the spirit and becoming embodied with that that being said, in the second decan of Capricorn, it's all about taking that idea and, and concretizing it into form. And again, it's going to take hard work. Take care of your body during this period of time. So let's bring up the chart and let's start taking a look at what we might experience on the daily. So let's, this is our third level of granularity. Okay. So you can see January 1st, 2023. This is Sunday. Um, 
I just have a random noon chart up here. You can see that we've got the sun at 11 degrees of Capricorn. Mercury is retrograde. It is under the beams at this point already. Uh, sun is co-present with Venus and Pluto. This is the beginning of our month, really, is this Venus-Pluto conjunction. This is the big aspect in the beginning of the month, okay, is Venus making contact with Pluto. Just a couple other things that should be on your radar. Um, Jupiter is newly ingressed or moved into the sign of Aries. And at the new moon in Capricorn that we recently experienced, we had a square. And we probably had some tension between our aspirations, the way that we want to start something new, and trying to figure out the material resources to support it. I know that was definitely something that we experienced here in our household, just trying to just trying to do all the accounting for the year was was sort of stressful and it was like we've we've just started this new journey of in our household home ownership and there's all sorts of new responsibilities that that come into play with your end of the year tasks around that and it sometimes can feel overwhelming when you have something new that you're trying to parse out so i'm i'm curious to see if all of you had a little bit of that experience at the new moon in capricorn where Maybe, you know, there's something that, that you haven't done before and you're just really trying to find what the new rhythm and the new reality is behind it. Uh, the other thing is that Mars is still retrograde in the sign of Gemini, and that is the host of Jupiter. So you may be wanting to move forward with some project uh, at the beginning of the new year, but Mars is still saying, slow down. You know, view it from multiple perspectives, get some more information, eliminate some of the pathways, eliminate some of the choices so that when you do move forward, you're going to be able to do it with the knowing that your, uh, that the choice that you've made is well-researched, okay, that you're going to be able to put your, the full weight of your energy behind it rather than having it split in multiple directions and you can only do that by eliminating some of the pathways and i want to say it's not a failure if you can't do everything that's just part of uh saturn seasons is learning what our limits are and we are in the midst of capricorn and then aquarius season during this month in january is we will have to come to terms with some of our limitations whether they're the physical limitations due to our our bodies and our resources, or whether it's due to our idealistic limitations, due to the narratives that we tell ourselves. This is another thing that I like to talk about with Aquarius that I've learned from a, an astrologer from Australia, Joy Usher. She talks about Aquarius and Saturn in that form as uh, the glass ceiling. You know, some of the the limitations that we give to ourselves through saying, oh, well, this isn't possible. This is the limit of what I'm allowed to do, okay, idealistically. So we're going to run up against some of those sometimes too. And this is, this is another thing that can help you understand the sun's exile in Aquarius, right? Sometimes there's confidence issues that come up with people that have Aquarius suns, or we can all feel maybe a, a, a little challenge to our confidence, maybe because we're, we're seeing the limits in our life. And, you know, with, with Leo, sometimes there's this, you know, this, this, this inner confidence where it's not reliant on external validation. Uh, so I think that ideally it isn't. That's not to say that if you have Leo placements that you don't want people's approval, because speaking from experience, you definitely do. 
And I think that part of the journey with Aquarius in particular is being able to do things whether you have people's approval or not. I mean, I think that there's there's tasks that are set for you in Aquarius season and uh, you're not always going to get the parade. You're not always going to get the applause and that can be painful. So we've got Jupiter and Mars hanging out in uh, you know their respective domiciles here of, of Aries and Gemini. Um, well, not their own domiciles. I don't want anybody to be confused, but that's where they're hanging out. And uh, things get a little sticky with Mars too at the beginning of the month because not only is Mars retrograde, it's being hosted by a retrograde Mercury at the beginning of the month. So lots of reviewing, lots of potential delays, which is okay. Oftentimes what the delays are and the frustrations that accompany them if we look back on it in hindsight, we were like, you know what? We just didn't have all the pieces of the puzzle yet. And we just had to be patient. We Sometimes we can't have everything exactly the moment that we want it. And when we get more information, oftentimes it will actually lead to a much smoother process moving forward rather than rushing ahead and then having to kind of clean up the, the mistakes. Like that can be very difficult. So I would say for your mental health, go slow at the beginning of this month. Don't feel like you have to have it all figured out. Um, don't rush headfirst into the new year. Just evaluate. There will be times for moving quickly. That that time is coming. But this is really a time for, I think, for observation. Okay. Oh, Rachel is saying, yes, a second decan Aquarius sun. I know the glass ceiling very well from the outside and inside. Yeah, see, Rachel, it's a, it's a great point, isn't it? I, I mean, I think that the beauty of that realization is that when we have an idea that we're, you know, crafting our lives around, I think some on some level, and you can agree or disagree with this, like I know that when we live it, it can be difficult. I think that sometimes it's easier to change a belief than it is to change something physical, but maybe I'm wrong. I think that beliefs can get really concretized too. Um, they can be very Saturnian, right? <laughs> it can be very like solidified, fixed. Uh, so, yeah, maybe a belief is more challenging to to ferret out on some level, but I do think that there is possibilities to shift uh, w what we view as possible with Aquarius as well. To ascend to Olympus, right? To to rise above it all and say, oh, well, you know, I used to believe this, but now I'm just going to go off into the frontier and believe something completely different outside the norm. And that's often the Aquarius like you know, origin story, uh, success story is when they, when Aquarius stopped, finally stopped giving a shit what everybody thought. <laughs> they finally found their truth. Um, so that might be part of this journey as well. Okay. So January 1st, we have, uh, we have the conjunction of Venus and Pluto. So one of the things that I'm thinking about with this, this conjunction all right. And, and, you know, the other thing to think about is Saturn's still in Aquarius. Saturn is still, you know, making us question our beliefs and, and you know, bringing us um, limiting beliefs, I guess, or real limitations that come through the air. I'm, thinking, I'm, I'm looking at you, COVID. <laughs> like, so it's because of some of the challenges of air, we may feel isolated or lonely or or that we have to set up boundaries and things of that nature and some of them are helpful some of them aren't and we have to be able to discern what is real and what isn't so saturn is still hosting all of these planets right saturn is still the big kind of like 
provider, underground provider, mycelium, mycelial provider for all these Capricorn planets. Now with Venus coming together with Pluto at the beginning of the month, probably something where you're going to be evaluating the, um, the way that you wield authority, the way that you um, harness and hoard resources as well could come up. Uh, you could be questioning what you love and what you, um, what you receive. And there could be some corruption behind it. Like there could be some, some tough discussions in your relationships about who takes on what responsibilities. This could be a great time to kind of uh, revisit uh, your, your chore responsibilities and say, who is really responsible for this? And is it fair? And is there some corruption in our systems in the way that we delegate and things of that nature? Delegating is really important in this decan too. Oftentimes, people that have placements in this third decan of Capricorn will take on the weight of the world. I mean, you could see in that card, and we'll get to this when we talk about it, the sun, but just a preview, you can see the four of pentacles card where someone's sitting on a throne and holding very tightly to their four pentacles, sort of blocking the flow of Hesed, which is the Sephira that is uh, associated with that Deccan from the Kabbalistic tree of life, holding on very tightly like King Midas to their material reality. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we have to be able to share our resources other times we have to be able to share our responsibilities, okay? And this is where, where it gets really tough for you Capricorn folks. And I'm speaking from experience. I got my partner's a third deck in Capricorn sun, or I'm sorry, third deck in Capricorn rising. And we have this discussion all the time because she's a bit of a superhero when it comes to carrying the heavy load and lots of responsibilities. But um, like any burden, when you're in a, you know, an intimate partnership, you want to be able to, to relieve some of those burdens sometimes and, and um, work efficiently rather than harder, right? I think that's the thing. A lot of the times Saturnian folks will be attached to doing things the hard way rather than the efficient way. <laughs> and if you, so let's say you have this Capricorn energy, so reach out to your Virgo friends. Like a, a mercurial person is going to be like, why are you doing it this way? You could, you could do it this much quicker if you just let go of this, this way of doing it. Be flexible with the way that you're doing things. So if you've got a good Virgo friend, talk to them and be like, is there a different way I could do this? Is there something I'm missing information-wise? And, and they'll be like, oh, I would love to give you advice <laughs> because the Virgo people in your life will love to give you advice. And that's sort of what, as, as a Virgo stellium person myself, not the sun. Often people mistake me as a Virgo sun, but I have Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn in Virgo. I love giving advice, so that's why I'm here today. How can we become more efficient with the way that we do things? All right, so that's the first. Let's keep rolling. Let's keep going. Everybody doing okay? Everybody is hanging out on a Monday. I hope. Is everybody back at work yet? Does anybody have more time off? during this period of time? I don't know. I, I, I left the, the nine to five a long time ago. So my sense of time is very distorted. <laughs> I just, and I, I just work all the time. I think that's the thing. I, that's what I've been feeling over these last few weeks is that the astrological wheel keeps on turning and it doesn't respect a holiday or anything like that. It's just like, well, there's still astrology coming. Um, okay. So 
the second, the second of January is the last day that we'll have, um, actually, check that, check that. We're not going to switch decades yet. Okay, let's go. So the first thing that we notice on this day is that Venus is going to change signs. So here is Venus moving into Aquarius. All right. So here's how this narrative might play out. You identify the corruption, you identify the things that you've repressed that need transformation. Uh, you, you have the difficult conversations about how to create harmony and unity. You let go of the, the burden of having to do things the way that is socially acceptable, right? I think that's, that's one of the other things that happens with Capricorn is oftentimes Capricorn folks will feel like they have to do things a way that, that will bring them social status or prestige or, or following the rules, quote unquote. And when we have the transition from Capricorn to Aquarius, there is the liberation, the freedom that we associated with Aquarius is like exactly what I said earlier, where it's like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of trying to fulfill everybody's expectations. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I want to do because it's the right thing to do, not the expected thing to do. So we may start feeling this with Venus moving into Aquarius, where we may be attracted to leaving something behind, right? Of saying, you know, I'm just tired of doing it this way. I'm tired of, you know, grinding myself into bits and just carrying the boulder up the hill over and over and over again. Now there is, uh, some interesting things about this decan of Aquarius in particular, where the the planetary ruler is actually Venus. So Venus will be in its own face. So one of the things that you can think about with Venus moving into Aquarius on the second is that you can find beauty in the fringe, in the, the way that, uh, in in things that other people have discarded. I've had a number of clients here. This is expressed a couple different ways. One, I've had many clients with Venus in this decade that are dealing with, they like make art out of like junk or like trash and they repurpose things and they make really beautiful things out of things that other people have thrown away. Other times I will have people that work with people on the fringes of society that have been cast into exile. I've had people that uh, have one client in particular that I remember that worked in the prison system and was trying to create, trying to harmonize the social environment in the prison system, working with prisoners and helping to teach them social skills to help them reintegrate into society. I thought that was such a cool expression of Venus and Aquarius, just like creating harmony with people that would normally just not fit in, right? So this might be one of the things that we're experiencing with Venus moving into Aquarius here and saying, okay, it's, we're going to be attracted to something that's outside the norm. We don't have to, to do our art or do our relationships exactly the same way as, as the social expectations. Um, you know, you can see also Venus is going to be moving into a sextile with Jupiter. So Venus is also going to be starting to have a positive conversation with Jupiter. So maybe one of the things that you're going to be experiencing once Venus shifts signs is that to be able to make the Jupiterian leap into a, an individual individuation journey, right? Where you're saying, I'm going to start this new thing, this expansive new thing. You may have to you think outside the box a little bit. 
And Venus is probably going to be showing you alternatives to the, the normal way of doing something moving through this sign. Now it also becomes co-present with Saturn. And you can see this is, we're going to start to feel the, the beginning of this malefic enclosure that I'll show you in depth as we get further along. The other thing we're seeing on January the 2nd, we've got a sextile between Mercury retrograde and Neptune. So that's at 22 degrees. Okay, Neptune is here at 22 degrees of Pisces, and Mercury is retrograding through uh, Capricorn. So again, a whenever we have contacts with Neptune and Mercury, it's very important to check all the details to, to make sure that you're seeing things clearly and that you're not uh, allowing the, the filter or the lens or the, the illusionary lens um, of what you want to see cloud your vision from what is, okay? Because that can cause problems later. Uh, the other thing that was on my list is that the sun is making you try into the, the north node. You know, that's, that's something that comes up in my astrological programs and like uh, journals and things like that. I think it's important to point it out just for the simple fact that I pay attention to planets at the bending of the nodes when they're square the nodes as turning points where we may feel some tension between the past and the future, between increase and decrease. And I do think that it's interesting to kind of maybe start to feel when a planet is in a harmonious relationship with those nodes too, where it might feel like, oh, we're, we're really starting to bring something into fruition, right? With the sun trining the north node, where it's saying, okay, we, we're starting to leave behind the south node that is processing old things, we're starting to move towards an, an area of increase in our life, okay? So I think that this might be a moment where we're really starting to grease the wheels for, the, for increasing our material resources and reality. Okay, thank you, Remco, for the super sticker. Thank you, friend, and thank you for the, the nice work that you're doing in the chat here today. Um, sounds like my European friends have some more time off, which is nice, right? It's nice to be able to to have some time with family and, and to relax a little bit and things like that. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of you. Uh, I don't know. As some, a friend pointed out to me, or maybe it was my partner, I don't know. All of these things that I do here are a choice. So I, I enjoy showing up and hanging out with all of you. And who knows? Maybe I will shift some the ways that I do some things in the year ahead to keep it fresh for myself. But I do enjoy uh, interacting with all of you, and I think that, that that will definitely still continue to be a feature of this channel. So don't don't worry about that. But I might have to maybe shift my how I utilize my time daily, and who knows, right? This is just a good time to evaluate those things for everyone. All right. So that's the first and the second. If we keep going. On the third, the moon moves out of bounds, so it makes contact with Mars, and then is out of bounds. So this is going to be out. The moon's going to be out of bounds from the third till the eighth. So you might be feeling, let's say you you have the moon making contact with Mars. Mars is in that decan that's associated with the Eight of Swords, right? Where we feel like, oh my goodness, there's just so many options. I'm just feeling so overwhelmed with all the different directions I could head with my life, all the different choices and responsibilities that you just feel paralyzed. You're just like, I just can't make a decision. I just feel bound by all these choices. And 
that may lead to some challenging emotions at the beginning of the month. I think that the thing that I would recommend with that is just slow down, collect your thoughts, try to calm down the, the, the inner dialogue if you can, and start to write things down, get it out of your head so that you aren't carrying it around all the time. Um, I like to journal. I like to make lists. Lists are great because then you don't have to worry that you're forgetting something because it's right there on the paper. If, you know, it's not, it's not, you're not, you know, utilizing mental bandwidth and energy trying to remember every single little thing. And, you know, one of the other things you can do is put those lists. This is, this is my very Vir Virgoian, you know, GTD getting things done type of thing. You put those, those lists into priorities. You say, this is a high priority. This isn't a priority. Because oftentimes we have things on our list and we look at our list and we're overwhelmed and we're like, oh shit, so many things on this list. But oftentimes many of those things, you can kick that can down the road. Um, and if you, if you are honest about what is most important in that moment, then that can give you a direction that will uh, unbind you from your own tangled mind. Okay. So... As I was speaking about before, we've got Venus moving into that sextile with Jupiter. I think we've examined that a little bit as well. There's a fixed star in this decan of Aquarius called Altair, um, which is uh, associated with an, an eagle, of the eagle of Zeus, the eagle that like delivered Zeus's uh, thunderbolts. <laughs> like, you know. So there's some military connotations with that fixed star or maybe just being very organized and regimented. Um, there's an aspirational quality of being able to transcend our, our mundane material reality. So we may be feeling that uh, with Venus passing over that fixed star around this period of time, around the January 3rd and 4th as well. But really pay attention this week of new ideas that come up that are, that are really outside the norm. Again, for, to create harmony in your life, you may have to experience a little bit of divine discontent, okay? This is the Five of Swords card that we're dealing with, where you may, and I'll get to this when we talk about Aquarius 1 and the Sun, but there's a spirit called Daiki, which is the, is roughly translates to justice. And oftentimes in the tarot and the decans, you sort of have a, an awareness of a problem in the first decan, you have kind of the solution that is offered in the balance point in the second decan, and then like the results of those actions in the third decan. And in the in Aquarius, we may be aware of some injustices, like social injustices, and that may be the impetus for us to do things in a way that isn't uh, that isn't normal. So if 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 you were if you agreed with the way that your community, your society did something, you may not want to do it in this this outside the box way but the the little bit of disgust that comes up the little bit of like this isn't fair i'm not even going to participate in this system i'm going to be completely outside of it that is the energy of, of aquarius one where there's just like sometimes there's some resentment that comes up where there's some jealousy things uh it is it's kind of a it's a tricky decan um but again i think the way to do it well is to accept and go into that outside the box thinking willingly without carrying too much 
anger, resentment that you had to do it that way. Just accepting that, no, that's the way it is. Sometimes we have to do things in a unique way. And oftentimes some really innovative solutions come up because we're not doing it the way it's always been done. Okay, so that can be the way to kind of shift your thinking around that. All right. Lynn, our resident Virgo, is saying a trick to, <laughs> a trick to making lists less overwhelming is to put a couple things on it that you've accomplished. <laughs> yes, there you go. I like that. Yeah, because and I, I was thinking about this and I had this conversation with uh, my partner, Tanya, is how do we create milestones? I, I, that's a great point, Lynn. I think that's a really, really nice addition to that, um, that solution, right? Um, oftentimes, we're just grinding away and we don't come up for air to see what we've done. And oftentimes, it can be very satisfying and motivating to be like, look at what I did. You know, look at what all the things that I've done instead of the things that I haven't done yet. So I love the balancing energy of that, of, of acknowledging the good work that you're doing, the things that you've achieved. I mean, I feel that way when I cross something off the list. It's like, ooh, I get a little dopamine hit when I cross something off the list. But yeah, you can make a separate list that's saying, look at all these things that I did. And because it doesn't, sometimes the things that you do aren't always on the list. Sometimes life hands you things that you have to do and pay attention um, to. Uh, that you should receive some credit for every once in a while, even if it's just from yourself. So thank you, Lynn. That is a very good point. Um, okay. Let's see. We are at the 4th, and we're going to get to the 5th, January the 5th, 2023. We're coming up closer, closer and closer on the year of the Chinese rabbit, moving away from the year of the tiger, uh, hopefully it'll be a little bit less intense. So let's see what we've got here. This is a fun transit. And by fun, <laughs> I don't think I'm being too sarcastic. I think it might be fun. Um, sometimes I'll look at a transit and I'm like, that looks fun. And it's really not fun. It's really terrible. But uh, here we have the sun making an applying trine to Uranus from the second decan of Capricorn to the second decan of Taurus at 15 degrees of each of those signs respectively. So this is this is part of the lead up to the full moon. You can see that the moon at this point has moved into Cancer. We are building to a, a pinnacle point of the lunar cycle, like a flowering point, an awareness point, attention point sometimes. So one of the things that we're going to be seeing, first of all, remember, again, the moon's going to be out of bounds, so we're going to be feeling our feelings pretty intensely around this period of time. So let me, let's, let's just get to the, let me talk about this trine in the context of this full moon. And I'm going to talk about this full moon in more depth with Adam Ellenboss on Thursday, December the 29th at 2 p.m. Eastern time, so tune in for that. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, from Nightly Astrology, those aren't familiar with Adam's work, super cool dude, uh, good friend of mine, and it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts on not only the full moon, but just 2020, 2023, uh, the year ahead as well. I think we're going to kind of talk about some big picture stuff as well. So at this full moon, and this is January the 6th, we're going to see the trine of the, the sun the day previous to Uranus. 
So doing something in a way that is outside the norm. If you want to build it, you're going to have to build it in a weird way. Or not necessarily a weird way, but you're going to have to do it in a way that is maybe getting you a little bit outside of your comfort zone, outside of your material rut, outside of your material routine. The thing that's coming into my mind is that like field of dreams, like if you build it, they will come. And they thought that that guy was off his rocker in that movie, right? You want to build a baseball field in the middle of your cornfield? You're having trouble paying the mortgage on your house, buddy. What is a base? How is that going to pay the bills? So there might be some kind of situation like that where there's a lot of tension between your domestic situation, the moon and cancer, your professional situation, how you put yourself out into the world, how you want to build, uh, how you work versus how you play. Okay, the, the, the second decan of cancer is really sort of a celebratory decan. This is where my son is at. My, my son is in at 15 degrees cancer, so I'm sure I'll feel this one because this full moon's right on my natal sun. Um, so we're going to be trying to not necessarily resolve, but hold the paradox of how we party, how we enjoy ourselves, the way that we create community, and what are we trying to achieve with that community? And if you see the three of cups card, right? The three of cups, there's just this very celebratory, like abundance. This is a card of abundance, right? It's in the middle of summer. You know, the, there's fruit, there's, there's flowers, there's leaves on the trees. Everybody's like, yeah, let's have enough. This is like the 4th of July in America. So everybody's having a barbecue and getting together and celebrating something. And that's what we do on this channel. We get together, we celebrate astrology and have a good time with one another. You know, but if you look at that three of pentacles card, they're getting work done. It's like, this is, a, this is a card of stone and brick and, you know, hard work, toil. It's a Mars decan versus a Mercury decan with the, the second decan of, of cancer. Okay. So you may be asking the questions, well, is the, how do I balance those two things out? Can I build my, my tower, my pyramid, my temple? in a way that is innovative and, and new and how do I bust out of my rut and my my routine and and therefore also the glass ceiling of ideas that may be limiting us right the other thing that's very important around this period of time roughly between January 5th and January 7th is Mercury is going to be making its Kazemi of the Sun that we talked about earlier in the big picture thoughts so this is a point in the Mercury's synodic cycle where it is making what is called its inferior conjunction and that that basically happens at the retrograde conjunction of mercury and the sun so that means that that this is the, the very beginning of a whole new mercury cycle Mer mercury was venturing through the underworld as an evening star as a, in its psychopomp phase going maybe going back into our past or back into the recesses of our mind to really like find some sort of knowledge or secrets or something, something healing potentially, maybe even putting something to rest and something to bed. And then when it comes together with the sun in the second decan of, of Capricorn, we're probably going to be like, okay, I've got some ideas about what I want to build. All right. I'm, I'm infusing Mercury's ability to take action and communicate between worlds with solar 
consciousness and vitality. Remember, the sun brings light. It brings illumination. So I really think that the sun might illuminate uh, during this full moon, not only the moon, right, but Mercury as well. It's kind of bringing some kind of conscious awareness to the mercurial things in our life, which again, Mercury is responsible for Gemini and Virgo. So we may see the, the stirrings, the underground stirrings at this Mercury Kazemi about how you want to build for the coming year ahead. But take into consideration how you're going to balance out your domestic uh, relaxation, your domestic responsibilities. How is your building your empire going to fit within the other types of you know, private relationships that you have, maybe not the public relationships that you have. How are you going to balance those things out? Is, do you, do you really need to build in a way that may put those relationships in jeopardy? This is a question I've often asked myself as a cancer two person is, is this public thing worth it? Am I still going to be able to fulfill my parental duties, uh, my relationship duties, my pet caretaking duties. <laughs> sometimes this is a thing. Like sometimes I'll just like be like, I don't want to go on a trip because I don't want to leave my cats for that long. <laughs> you know, this is this is what this is how the Cancerian brain works. It's like I'm now I'm not going to that conference. I can't be away from my cat for four days. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like they'll get lonely. <laughs> so um I'm sorry, but I, I digress, right? This, these are the things, though. This is giving you some insight into the Cancerian mindset. But again, we also have to get outside of our comfort zone sometimes, too. Sometimes we do have to get outside of the four walls in our home and, and shake things up a little bit. Uh, and sometimes we have to, to uh, figure out how we're going to communicate that journey to the people that care about us. And I think that that's something that this full moon always really does every year is, you know, you're trying to make plans and you're trying to balance out all these responsibilities. Kids are starting to go back to school and you're like, oh, okay, I've got these things I wanna do, but I gotta take the kids to school or, or whatever, you know, however your life is set up and whatever version of the, the fruiting body of that mycelium might be. Okay, so that is January the 6th, the full moon. Um, hosted by Saturn, right? Right. That the sun will be hosted by Saturn. The moon will be in its own domicile, uh, and we're still going to be dealing with Mars retrograde during this period of time. Although things are going to start changing very soon. Rachel says, "I like your priorities, Spencer. I resonate. Cancer ascendant, home in my palace, pajamas, <laughs> my robes." <laughs> Yeah, and it's not, you know, this is the thing. This lifestyle, this Cancerian life, it's not for everyone. Sometimes people are meant to go out and do the hard work, and, and not to say that I don't work hard, but there's some folks that really thrive going out into the world, making these types of relationships in person, and building material, structures, empires, whatever it is. 
and I have a lot of respect for those people. Um, you have to find, I think one of the things that astrology teaches you is you have to find what types of situations, energies, circumstances, goals, jobs, relationships, you know, environments really are supportive of who you are and what your goal and task is. Everybody doesn't have the same goal and task. For many of us, you know, we thrive in this very protected home environment, whheras other people, it's it's can be feel very suffocating sometimes. So, and, and I again, I think that that's some of the beauty of studying astrology is to be able to say, "Oh, you're different than me. That's okay. You can do you, and I'll do me." You know, that's the that's the that's the beauty of it is is sort of having a little bit of compassion for each other and empathy for our different paths and what makes us different. Okay. And you know, here's the other thing about that. If you know that you have certain strengths, offer your strengths. And if you know other people have certain strengths, enlist them for help. <laughs> you know, like, right? I mean, so, so that if that's, that's the beauty of interconnectedness. Um, and I think that that's how we can really like just allow other people to be them and us to be ourselves is to not try to force people to be who they're not and not try to force ourselves to be who we're not. Okay. So that is our full moon in cancer. That is the, uh, almost to the end of the second decan of Capricorn. And I'll get to the end of that and then we'll take a stretch. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think, friends? So if we get to January the 8th, we have Mercury making its trying to Uranus. So because Mercury and the Sun are traveling together, they are going to simultaneously, one right after another, make the same aspect. So we, we may get some clarity, okay, on how to do things differently, how to build differently with the Sun making the trine. Then we may be able to start communicating in that new way. We might be able to start moving things around. Mercury is a planet that likes movement. It likes to move resources from one place to another. It likes to communicate ideas from one place, one world to another, one liminal space to another. So you might start doing things and communicating in a way that's very unique and different around the eighth after you get the awareness of the full moon. Then, then this gets us to the ninth. And to me, this is a very, this is a pivotal moment in the month. Okay. And this is one of our pivotal moments. So we see Venus at eight degrees of Aquarius, and it is going to make a trine with Mars at eight degrees of retrograde Mars at eight degrees of Gemini. Okay. So here's our trine, Venus, Mars trine. Okay, so we're, we, we've already kind of broken down what Venus might be doing um, in the first decade of Aquarius. And thank you, Remco, for hanging out with us today. And I appreciate you, friend, if you've got to take off. It's all good. Um, so we, we are finding beauty in maybe the, the, the exile. We're going off into exile intentionally. We are... Uh, you know, repurposing maybe something and bringing harmony and unity to something that's been discarded. And now it's making a trine to Mars in the first decade of Gemini. Okay, we've got lots of ideas. We may feel a little bit 
paralyzed by those ideas, but we're going to explore a little bit. This is a very airy connection. It's a very intellectual connection. So you, you're, this is the, the receptive and the, um, the, I guess, I don't know if the aggressive is the right word, but the, the active principle and the receptive principle coming together. Okay, so like an active idea meeting with fertile, fertile ground. Although Mars is retrograde. So we're not going to just be able to just do whatever we want yet. We're still going to have to, some factor that's still keeping us in a little bit of limbo. All right. And here is where this is heading in my estimation. This is where we begin our malefic enclosure. And what we see with a malefic enclosure is Venus is going to be, has Mars making an aspect ray on one side. So you can see that Mars is going to be making a, an aspect ray to about eight degrees of Aquarius. To, and once Venus goes past eight degrees, it's like inside the enclosure. And it'll be applying to Saturn at 23 degrees of Aquarius. Now, generally, there is a planet that will break up the enclosure with its own aspect ray. But you can see that J Jupiter casts its ray outside of that eight degree place at two degrees of, of Aries here. Mercury doesn't witness this at all. Okay, so no help from Jupiter or Mercury. Now, the only planet that we have that might help us through this is the moon. And yes, the moon will be kind of breaking this up, but it's temporarily. So we're going to kind of go, to me, we're going to fluctuate in and out of frustration during this period of time, because sometimes the moon will break it up. If the moon is, is making an aspect to one of these planets, so right now, the moon will be interceding between uh Saturn and Venus at 22 degrees of Leo. This is just a random point in the, in the cycle. But if we go forward, we're going to see the moon leave this and go to Virgo, and it's going to break it up a little bit from Virgo, okay? But then we, we have to, there's going to be times where it's not going to aspect any of these things, and we're going to feel the weight of both of those malefic planets, okay? Now, I don't think that this is going to be one that is as difficult as some other malefic enclosures for two reasons. One, that Mars is in a trine to these two planets, okay? It's not a square. If it was a square or an opposition, it would be much more difficult in my estimation. Also, the moon is going to give us little breaks here and there, little windows into what might bring us joy or relief on some level. So, but, but recognize the time period between January 9th and January the 22nd for Venus ruled things, okay? For the, for the area of your life that is ruled by Taurus and Libra, there's probably going to be some delays, some restructuring, some questions where you feel like you want to move forward, but there's some factor that you haven't quite gotten, some detail you haven't quite gotten yet. Uh, and part of this is going to start to get relieved when Mars turns direct as well. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there for a second, and I'm going to stretch, and then we'll talk about 
Capricorn 3. I'm just going to look through the chat here if I missed anything. Oh, all of you are doing great in the chat today. Um, all right. So we are at a point in the discussion where if you need to use the bathroom, if you need to stretch your legs, you need to shake it out, I'm going to do that. So maybe you can do that too. Get a snack. All right. This is important. This is part of our self-care. And I love doing these things live. And normally, normally, my microphone just fell over. Normally I might pause the video and like, you know, go off and do this and come back. But since we're here together, we'll just do some of these things together. And if you have any questions, put them in the chat. This is a great opportunity to hit the like button on the video, to subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, if you want to schedule a reading with me, I will be available starting in January. Books are open right now, but we're scheduling out into January. Um, we will have guided group study coming back after the malefic enclosure of Venus. I don't think it's going to start until the end of the month probably around Monday, January the 23rd, which is literally the day that Venus leaves the enclosure. And I, I didn't realize that when I was scheduling it, but it, now it makes sense. Um, it's just funny how sometimes those things work out. But if you want to sign up for that, just uh, make sure you're signed up on my newsletter, and I will be sending out information for that in, the, in about a week or so to sign up. Okay, everybody get stretched out. Okay. All right. I think one of the next evolutions of this channel, I need to be more more like that. Like, uh, <laughs> there's this guy on Instagram. I like his name's, his name's Fritz. And he lives in like the UP of Michigan, I think. His, his, his handle is Old Time Hockey, H-A-W-K. Why? <laughs> and he, he has these really great like cooking and nature videos where he's like, here you go, buddy. <laughs> like where he's cooking you something in his like cabin in the woods or something. Maybe it, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to cook a meal and go for a walk because we're talking about the astrology together on this channel. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Here's my version. Here's a little protein shake, buddy. <laughs> but it, what a great life that guy seems to have. I think he's living my dream out in the woods, walking around with his dogs, or you know, in my case, it'd probably be my cats, and you know, cooking out on a campfire and things like that. Maybe that that sounds fun to me. But so it goes. Um. All right. So let's get back to it. What do you say? So Carolina is saying Venus receives a square from Uranus before getting to Saturn, right? Yes, we will discuss that as we go forward. Now, I want to make sure that you understand with the malefic enclosures, we are only using the seven visible planets as uh, ones that can intercede on behalf of that planet. So if we do have an aspect with like Uranus or Pluto or Neptune, we don't actually count that as breaking up the enclosure. Some modern astrologers may beg to differ, 
but it's a it's a traditional technique so i'm going to stick to the seven traditional planets for that although you know astrology is divinatory and if you think that 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 planet's going to break it up through doing something completely new it's probably cheers to you uh i think that that could be a great way to to look at it all right um yes yana says hydrate i need yes i'm trying to hydrate myself here illis j hello illis j says january sounds hairy though we had some capricorn season trials to prepare us a year ago yeah this is this is it's i think it is going to be a little bit up and down um little hit or miss right Kate says, I think kind of, but opposite Carolina. Venus applies to Uranus and Saturn as she moves. Hopefully, I will clarify it in case I'm misreading. Yes. Okay. I'll get to it. Yeah, but I, I, I hope that that was, uh, that helped clarify that, that we're only, with the malefic enclosure, we're only going to use the traditional planets, and we wouldn't necessarily use the outer planets as breaking up the enclosure. But that's a good catch, though. I mean, th these are... This is why astrology is so complicated, right? There's there's a lot of different factors, and oftentimes it feels like some of the rules can be arbitrary, and some of them are. <laughs> like, but just because they're arbitrary doesn't mean they're not meaningful. Um, there are systems that people have used for thousands of years that I think bring us truth and bring us awareness, and those systems, they change. Uh, this is another thing I like about The Flowering Wand by Sophie Strand, the book recommendation of the month is that uh, the fruiting body of our myths, of our stories, of our astrological systems are going to change over time when the mushroom shoots up in a different environment. It's going to use all of the, the uh, resources of that time, that environment, that culture to express itself. And sometimes we do have to, to make some adjustments that, that, Mushroom is going to make adjustments, but the mycelial networks can run for miles and miles and miles and, and in turn can run from centuries and centuries and centuries. You know, like th this is why we can do comparative mythology because, you know, we may have uh, a certain form of a deity or an essence that erupts in a certain uh, god or story, and then we can have a version of it that erupts in a different culture in time. And that's really, I think, it's really brilliant. And I think that that's kind of how it works. I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I think uh, she makes a very compelling argument about that. Okay, let's go back to the chart. Y'all doing all right? You hanging in there? Hanging in there? Did you go get a snack? Did you go play some Nintendo? <laughs> there you go, buddy. <laughs> oh, boy. That guy's my hero. <laughs> Oh, he just seems so chill. He's got some major Taurus energy, I think. I think that's probably why I like him. I bet he's a Taurus sun. We've got Taurus moon here. I'm, I'm going to, I have no idea what his birthday is. He keeps his private life very, very private. Um, I, there's no birthday for him. I don't even know his real name. But uh, I'm get, I get major Taurus vibes from my, my dude there. Old time hockey. Okay. So now... We're going to get into the third decan of Capricorn. You can see on January 10th, the sun clicks over to 20 degrees of Capricorn, and we change decans. So we're going to change the emphasis of the sign. Okay, we're still in Saturn sign, 
but now we are in a solar decan that is syncretized with the four of pentacles okay so we've thought about what goal we want what resources we have the, the advantages and disadvantages of where we want to build our empire in the in the first decan we have gathered support helpers we've done we've toiled with hard work in the second decan three of pentacles and now we are you know trying to manage what we've created like with the sun with like a solar authority type of influence we may have gained some wealth we may be trying to figure out what are we going to do with this wealth how are we going to uh are we going to share it are we going to pass it on to a, a in a legacy um are we going to hoard it are we going to be selfish and create some problems because of that because that's that's part of this decan too we have to be real careful especially as the sun gets closer to pluto some of the 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 negative qualities of hoarding wealth and resources may start to come up um this decan that pluto's been in for a long time has really really highlighted some of the wealth inequality that we've seen in the world and the power and wealth grabs that we've had over the last few years especially with the billionaires getting more billionaire and the you know inflation and all of these things and how some of our systems are kind of broken that aren't really working as far as how we're administrating power and who we give it to and all of those things and the distribution so those things might be coming up as the sun crosses over pluto in this decan as well we might, we might really be highlighting some of that corruption now it's important not to get too freaked out when we have things that are pointed out to us that aren't working. That's necessary. That's part of the process. If we ignore all of the things that aren't working, that's when we get into that, that, that buzzword we have, like spiritual bypassing, where we're like, everything is great, and you just believe everything is great all the time, and it's just going to be great. If you just believe hard enough, you know, it'll be fine, which may or may not be true, okay? Sometimes we have to identify the things that aren't working. We have to come to terms with the things that are broken, the things that are painful, the things that aren't fair, so that we can hopefully start taking steps to rebalance those things, you know? And, and again, I think that that's another great thing to do in this, this time of Capricorn is, is really getting clear on the responsibilities that you've taken on in your life. Are they supporting your goals? Are they supporting your beliefs? Are they supporting what you really want to achieve in the long term in your life that brings you joy, happiness, a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment, or serves a very important role in your community, your society, your family? All of those things are important. And oftentimes, we'll have events that show us that either we failed to take responsibility for those things or that we've taken on too many of them and what we've taken on just isn't providing the nourishment that we we desire it's not getting us closer to happiness right and don't get me wrong life isn't supposed to be happy 100 percent of the time and there's going to be you know optimists that argue with me on that I think that it's it's perfectly normal to have times when you're not happy. And I think if we try to put on this this false mask of happiness all the time, I mean, that's just a recipe for a nervous breakdown at some point. 
So it's okay if you say you're sad. Like, that's why we support each other. That's why we have people that are sad sometimes and that are happy other times. So we can be the support person for our sad friends. And that's sometimes where we allow ourselves to be sad so we can receive um, support. Okay. And sometimes if you're doing really well, if you're like, oh, well, I don't, I'm never upset. Well, then be the support person for the people that are. Okay. And do it in a balanced, healthy way. Um, Rachel says, sometimes we also have to come to terms that there is no quick fix or pivot for what feels like it's not working, but that acceptance brings slow evolution and positive change. Amen, Rachel. Uh, I agree. There isn't always a quick fix, especially in the Saturnian seasons, in the seasons of Capricorn and Aquarius. You got to do the hard work. You got to show up every day. You have to work within time's limitations material realities, limitations, society's idealistic limitations sometimes, or outside of it, all right? And, and I, again, Aquarius is tricky because there will be times where Aquarius will definitely be like, these are the limits and you are going to have to like follow the rules. This isn't like you just do whatever you want in Aquarius season, okay? Uh, it's still a Saturnian season and there still are consequences for your beliefs during that season. So the spirit in the third decan of Capricorn is called Tolma or Dolma, T-O-L-M-A. And it, it, it roughly is a, it's not really a personified deity in Greek mythology. It is more of an ideal and it's the ideal of boldness and courage. So we might have to to be courageous around this period of time and take some chances, take some risks. This card, the Four of Pentacles, is called power or earthly power. So it's how are we going to wield the material power that we have, I, I don't know, consolidated. So very, it's a, like I said, it's a very solar decan. You can relate it to ideas like kings, CEOs, seats of power. The throne is what Austin Coppett calls it. But again, we were feeling the weight, Saturn, of our responsibility and authority, the sun. This also is a Deccan that has Mars's degree of exaltation. So we can be very strategic in this Deccan as well uh, about really like utilizing our energy in a way that is for the long haul rather than burning ourselves out. Um, the part of the negative part of this Deccan is that it that there is a story that, that comes up in T. Susan Chang's work, and she talks about the story of King Midas in this Deccan, where we get so overwhelmed by our material reality or the pursuit of it that we lose touch with what is really meaningful. And King Midas, of course, was the king that wished that everything he touched turned to gold. And of course, that didn't bring him happiness because he turned his family into gold, and you can't like talk to a statue of your family. Um, so something to keep in mind is the, the, the challenging negative side of this too. The other thing that I would offer in Capricorn season is that precus story that um, Andrea Azanich and I talked about in the last new moon live stream, where, you know, precus being the, the sea goat that turns back the hands of time, tries to turn back time over and over and over again to stop their, his sea goat children from leaving the ocean because he's aware that when they leave the ocean of spirituality, of consciousness, that they lose the ability to speak and to think, and that they just turn into regular goats. 
And he, he does this time and time again, but eventually he, he's alone and that he can't stop them from doing it. Every time he does it, that there's an inevitability that they are going to leave. And he eventually uh, asks his father, Kronos, to allow him to, to die uh, because he is immortal and he gets put into the stars. And there's, it's a, I think it's a very poignant story of the inevitability of time and of acceptance that time is going to keep going. And there's some certain things that are faded. And I do think that there's a fadedness quality that happens with Saturn, Saturn in particular. Okay. Yeah, Kate, who has natal Mercury here, says this Midas touch sounds familiar. Something about it can consume you or your time. Yes, yes. There are people that use this deck in very well. One person that comes to mind is Dolly Parton, I think has the sun in this deck in. And she has consolidated a vast empire of wealth, but has tried to become a philanthropist with that those resources. Um, and I don't know the ins and outs of her story. I mean, it, oftentimes there are, there's a dark side to it, I'm sure. But she seems like someone who is at least aspiring to use her, her wealth to to further other people's interests and, and is a conduit for it rather than a hoarder of it. I believe also Jeff Bezos has this, this Deccan son. Um, and I, regardless of whether he had, does some philanthropic things, he probably does, but he also is like trying to fly his, his, his space phallus into <laughs> to, to the stratosphere. And he's consolidated a crazy amount of wealth and um, probably more than he should be consolidating. He's probably a little bit more of that King Midas archetype. And I don't know what his level of happiness is um, in regards to his wealth or, or whatnot, but you can see that there's kind of two, two different factors involved with this on some level. Okay, so that's kind of the vibe of, of the sun moving through Capricorn 3. So evaluate your responsibilities take stock of your resources, try not to hoard them, try to put them to good use. If you want to be a philanthropic person, this is a good energy to utilize with that. Utilize the connection with Pluto to, to ferret out any uh, corruption in your systems and the way that you delegate authority and material resources. And don't be afraid of the, the underbelly of it when it comes up. Like the Sun-Pluto connection could be like Again, the cliche that I use here is that it's a it's a plunger, right? It's you're gonna, you've got a clogged toilet in your life in some area of your life. Use the plunger of the Sun Pluto connection to to get it unstuck, to to work with it and transform it in a positive way, hopefully. And this is all in the context, all in the context of Venus in malefic enclosure, right? <laughs> like this is going to be pre pretty much throughout the entire decade of Ca of Capricorn three. Venus is going to be in this malefic enclosure between Mars and Saturn with brief respites from the moon breaking it up. Okay. All right. So let's keep ro rolling along. So we get to the 11th. Here's one of these interesting time frames. Let's see. This is, this is some good stuff right here. Between January 10th and January 11th, our good friend Venus, who's stuck between a rock and a hard place, is going to be going through a bending of the nodes. All right. So 
what that means is that when a planet is squared, one of the nodes of the moon, the north or the south node, I mean, they're, they're always opposite one another, so it will be squared, both of them, at various points in its cycle. This is a point where you have a, a real shift in fortune, um, where you move, you start moving. It's a turning point from from maybe a place of decrease to a place of increase in this case, because Venus is at the north bending. It is going to start ascending, right? It's going to be, be like the energy of ascension is, is, is going to be happening with Venus. Whereas if Venus was in Leo, for example, with the same nodal axis of Taurus and, and Scorpio, it would be starting to move towards decrease moving towards a maybe a composting energy but here we have a, a pivotal moment where we're moving towards a, a place of increase especially when it comes to maybe even our ability to be charitable the six of pentacles is related to the north node in taurus too and you can see that there's like this charitable figure giving alms to the poor so th this is something where you might be moving towards uh utilizing your resources for a greater purpose okay I, I often think that if there is divine intelligence and, and most of you probably think that there is if you're here at this channel uh the divine intelligence oftentimes is pretty supportive when we connect our actions to something that will serve the greater good now that's not always true there's definitely people out there that are very self-serving that still, for some reason, have success. But I, what, I, what I have found, in, at least in my life, is that if I connect what I'm doing to a higher purpose and a more universal communal goal, just on a practical level, people can see that, that this will benefit them and they're willing to join in the journey. And you can accomplish a lot more when you join with others and when there is a reciprocity that comes with what you're doing. So I think that this is a moment where you may be thinking about how to cross the river of your life to a new, a new way of dealing with your resources that may be more reciprocal, okay? So that, that six of swords card is where Venus is hanging out in the second decan of Aquarius, okay? Crossing over from one reality to another, a liminal space. So the other thing that we're going to be seeing is that Mars is going to be stationing direct on the 12th. So you can see now in my Astro Gold program, Mars is now, the numbers of Mars are now black instead of red. Red indicates retrograde motion in this program. So now Mars is stationing direct, right as, as Venus is at the north bending of the moon. Okay? So we, we are probably starting to feel two things. We're going to be, be seeing some action, some fruiting body in the Gemini area of our life, the topic that Gemini falls in our natal chart. So this is a Leo rising chart, and I'm a Leo rising. So this is, this is a, the, an 11th house Mars. So group, group uh, challenges or, or group issues may start to move forward of, of people that you share resources with. It can also be related to um, the resources of the government or something like that could start moving forward. Maybe there's like a tax issue that starts moving forward around this period of time. And Mars is also going to be providing resources for the Aries area of your chart and the Scorpio area of your chart. Okay. 
see how we have a let's say the mushroom is is in gemini but it is connected in a mycelial fashion to aries and and scorpio so these 11th house topics are going to bring some clarity to like the ninth house in this leo rising chart uh, uh the ninth aries house of belief of maybe long distance travel of foreign places and the fourth house which has scorpio on its cusp of domesticity okay of the home the family things of that nature so you can do this in your own chart and it, it's going to be based on your rising sign if your rising sign clicks over to a different sign it's the topics are going to shift but there's always a connection between the planet in the house that it is acting in and what it provides resources for okay so that's a pivotal moment like the frustration that you may have been feeling with mars just asking you to make it make an explore exploratory questioning journey you finally are probably going to get some of those answers and you're going to begin the slow process of beginning to move forward in those areas of your life i would say take your time it takes a little bit for the planet to start picking up speed again like every single part of your life isn't going to be worked out the moment mars goes direct <laughs> like so just be patient um but you'll i think that mars will start systematically eliminating some of the options that aren't serving you in through an awareness now instead of just through randomly chopping up things and creating conflict okay so when we get to the 13th the 13th of january we have some of the similar aspects that were happening with the sun earlier in the month so mercury retrograde is going to be trine the north node so again, remember how we just talked about Venus square the nodes? Eventually there will be a time where Venus is trying the nodes. So that the challenging crossroads that we are at with Venus will eventually be able to integrate those potentially by the trine. And we have gone through a similar process with Mercury going through the bending of the nodes. And it will again go through the bending of the nodes when it moves into Aquarius. And, but this might be a time where there's some harmony between manifestation and mercurial matters. So it's important to recognize the good things. Just like Lynn said earlier, sometimes we have to talk about things that are working rather than things that are challenges, right? We have to make a list of accomplishments instead of just things that we haven't done yet. Okay, that can be our balancing factor. So that's why I've started including some of those trines with the nodes in there. It's like, hey, this might be a little bit smoother time. The sun is also going to be sextiling Neptune. So there, there could also be something where we're trying to transcend our physical reality. We're trying to maybe, I don't know, go off into a fantasy or illusion of some level, but it could be a supportive aspect. Um, we have to be careful about our sense of self around this period of time. Whenever we have sun-Neptune contacts, uh, our sense of self can get distorted every once in a while. So we have to make sure that we're dealing with reality, which is going to be really important when we move into the beginning stages of 2022. I think our reality is going to be on the forefront of our minds with Saturn moving into Pisces in March. It happens on March 7th. 
We're also going to see Pluto move into Aquarius. So there's, again, a lot of the things I talked about with Aquarius 1. Pluto is going to be <laughs> intensifying on a, on a social scale, scale um, really showing us the challenges of not only things like technology and like artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence definitely feels like part of the Pluto and Aquarius challenge, uh, especially because you can think about Aquarius as, mm, think about the story of Ganymede, who was stolen away and brought to the, the Mount Olympus to be the cupbearer of the gods. It was a human being that was like, had ascended into the clouds, their consciousness into the clouds to be this other thing. And I, I see some of that happening with like AI intelligence, art, and, you know, automation, where we're just uploading things that would normally be human expressions into the machine. And there are some advantages to that. And there are some scary disadvantages of that. And we'll have to reckon with with that as we get through Pluto and Aquarius. Also, just my my per, preliminary, 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 oh my goodness. My initial thoughts on this are that um, Aquarius is a, is a sign, a Saturnian sign that requires communal responsibility. And I think that we're gonna see some of the, the real uh, necessity of having communal responsibility. We've, we've gotten a taste of what climate change is like with um, Pluto and Capricorn and some of the challenges of that. I think we're going to get a giant face full of it in the years ahead with Pluto and Aquarius, where they were like, oh yeah, you recognize the need to cooperate to sustain life on Earth. Well, guess what? You all better fucking figure it out uh, pretty quickly or you're, you're not going to be you're not going to be on this planet very much longer. So I think that there's going to be stuff where it's just like you just cannot ignore the need to give up some of your own individual needs and desires for the good of the of the whole and the community. And there's going to be some good things that come of that, like some like peaceful accords and, and some things where we we buy, are bound together in cooperation to to find innovative outside the box solutions. And there's probably going to be other things where we, we're going to see the negative parts of uploading our individuality into a collective and, and how do we remain individuals within the collective rather than becoming this like Borg consciousness if you're Star Trek fan, fans, right? So there's, we'll have to figure out the, the balance between those two things. It's, uh, it's tricky and I'm sure that we'll have some things that I can't even imagine right now that we'll be dealing with. Probably I would be talking to my robot overlords by the end of this <laughs> cycle. Oh, man. I hope not. I hope we retain our humanity throughout it. Uh, but we'll see. So, if we get to the 14th of January, now we have a the square that uh, a previous commenter was pointing out between Venus and Uranus. Now, if we were including outer planets in our malefic enclosure equation, this could potentially be breaking up the malefic enclosure. 
I have seen other astrologers use outer planets to think about breaking that up in a natal chart. Um, you know, I, I have a malefic enclosure in my own chart of Mercury. And when Pluto moved through uh, Capricorn, it broke up the malefic enclosure uh, and changed some of my circumstances. So I don't think it's impossible. Um, but if we're doing it the traditional way, uh, we wouldn't necessarily count that planet. Now, philosophically, though, maybe we could. This, this square between Venus and Uranus says it's time to do something different. It's time to, to relate to each other in a different way. It's time to move on from a previous way of doing something, a previous uh, thought process. It's time to shake up your routine. It's time to manage your resources in a very different way. <clears throat> okay, we have the tension that's going to be happening between the Six of Swords card and the Six of Pentacles card. So for you to be able to move on from, in, from one reality to another, you're probably going to have to figure out how to do things in a different fashion. And again, Uranus things bring surprises. All right, this is kind of the the challenge with Uranus is it's a it's a lightning bolt type of planet, a flash of awareness. Like if you look at the way Richard Tarnas would think about Uranus, they are thinking about the Prometheus story who gifted fire to humanity, which was probably a shock to their system. They're like, "Oh wow, I can cook this food now; it tastes a lot better." <laughs> you know, like, "Oh, I can heat my homes; this is amazing." You know, so, uh, but he suffered for that that gift. He was punished because it was a, something where it was stealing a little bit of the immortal's energy and giving it to the mortal, you know, humanity. So there might be something that you have to do that's a little bit painful, um, that may feel like a little bit of a Promethean task, where you have to do something and make some changes, but there might be some suffering involved with it, which is normal. This too shall pass. That's part of the, the challenging parts of it. Uh, Kate says, maybe the demand to triage social issues increases at this time in January. Rewrite policies because they aren't working right now. Absolutely. You know, in America, oftentimes this time coincides with a new um, governing body coming into uh, power. So like a new Congress will be starting up around this period of time in America. Oftentimes a new president takes over at, at various points in the presidential cycle. Um, there's just a re a rewiring is a re rewriting and rewiring is a good a good word um, to describe that Kate. So yeah, I think that we might be doing this in our personal lives too. Um, Kate says just saw a video of nurses with patient nurse ratio fifty to one. The video was showing real time the nurse going through the hospital to HR and whomever holds power to ask for relief. Yeah, I mean, I mean that to me that. That also reflects some of that Pluto Capricorn energy, right? Where we're saying this system just isn't working. We need to, it, there's, it's corrupt. Um, and oftentimes, it, it's, it, what, sometimes what, what did, did work oftentimes doesn't in the future. The, the right answer eventually becomes the wrong one because the world changes. So I think that. One of the things that will help your stress levels and your mental health is instead of getting like so 
fired up and angry about every single corrupt thing that comes up. Just think of corruption as, as a messenger, like any other messenger, that is telling you that it's just time to change. If something's not working in your life, it's you're going to make it worse by getting super, super emotional and bent out of shape about it. To me, this is the difference between the acceptance of pain and the resistance that creates suffering. So, you know, again, the, the right answer eventually becomes the wrong one. And I think that, that if we acknowledge that, it'll be a lot easier to make those changes and say, yeah, this is messed up right now. Um, we can point fingers all we want, but let's try to find a solution. This is just, it requires us to just change. Okay. Um, and, and yes, the, the people that we do get angry with are the ones that are resisting the change that aren't accepting the need for change. That's when, that's when we have revolutions and, you know, I don't know, uprisings and things like that is because people aren't accepting that there's actually a need to change and want to keep the status quo. And that's when we get the real challenging times in life. So I, I think that we'd have a lot more peace on earth if we, we just flew, flowed with the changes that, that nature provides, which might be some kind of new um, rewilding of masculinity, potentially. The Flowering Wand by Sophie Stream. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's, that's the Venus square with Uranus. Maybe some shocking conversations that you have to have in your relationships. Um, some revelations that are going to change your routines and going to change the way you do things with, with your partners potentially, but also have an effect on your, on the Taurus area of your life and the, the Libra area of your life. Okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep on rolling. So the 14th has a few things, not just Venus squaring Uranus, which is one of the more important things, but this is another pivotal moment. Okay, so we have, we have the Venus-Uranus square that we just talked about. We also have a last quarter moon. You could see that the moon is going to be squaring the sun from Libra to Capricorn. So this, the moon is going to be in the, the last decade of Libra, which is generally associated with trying to rebalance something, uh, maintenance of harmony, uh, trying to still ourselves in the middle of chaos. So last quarter moons generally challenge us to start releasing things. So we may have to find our inner peace around this period of time to deal with some of the, the upcoming challenges of the application of the sun to Pluto and the shock of Venus and Uranus, okay? Because this, this last quarter moon is coinciding with the sun's application to Pluto. So I guess my recommendation in this period of time is that Again, acceptance is really important. Calm your mind down. Um, recognize that resistance to the reality of your situation can create more suffering rather than accepting it and going through the transformation process. Again, everyone's going to be seeing a need for change in their lives on some level. Okay, And the way that the moon is going to work in the third decan of Libra is saying, hey, you're not going to be able to change every single external circumstance right away. But what you can do is you can center yourself so that when you approach a chaotic situation, your own inner harmony, centeredness, and unity and peace will potentially be contagious 
and we'll be able to bring peace and harmony to a situation that is challenging. So it's, it's working from the inside out. So really pr practicing self-care, calming the mind down, meditating, all of those things can help create better outcomes when the need for change becomes apparent. And it's okay, right? All right. The last thing that's happening on this day, because this is a big day, January the 14th, is that Mercury is emerging as a morning star at about nine degrees of Capricorn, which means that it is separating by about 15 degrees from the sun and becoming visible again in the morning sky. So not only do we have Venus squaring Uranus, the moon squaring the sun, we have Mercury emerging as a morning star in a condition of phosphorus, which means that we'll be receiving messages in the Capricorn area of our life that will be pretty important. So pay attention to these messages. Any um, insights that you had at the Mercury Kazemi, you might start to see a materialization of those communications. And you may start to receive messages that will help you figure out how to move forward with all of those energies. Okay? All right. A big day, the 14th. On the 18th, on the 18th of January, that's when we have the sun conjoining Pluto. Okay? So over the days in between the 14th and the 18th, the sun is going to be making the applying, uh, I believe the word is cholesis, where it is adhering, an adherence. Um, now, now I'm mixing my systems because it's adhering to a outer planet. So we have to be careful with that. But we can we can fudge that a little bit i think it's going to be applying within three degrees to pluto and usually in traditional astrology we feel that a little bit more intensely so again whoops oh no no my program just went nutty we'll go back to there we go so again acceptance but also acceptance of the hard work that you need to do to make changes okay acceptance doesn't mean you just just let whatever happens happen right it doesn't necessarily mean that you're just gonna like not do anything sometimes acceptance means you're gonna have to accept the hard work that you're about to do okay that you actually have to get up off your ass and do something that's <laughs> that's that's also part of acceptance uh that's the hard part that you don't talk about a lot when you're talking about stoicism and acceptance of our hard saturnian reality okay so try not to get too bent out of shape or frustrated with this and uh lean into the work that that is required of you but also be careful of power dynamics with pluto and sun coming together this could be a revelation of a uh, a leader that is corrupt all right in some way like a solar figure like a, a kingly CEO figure. Um, the, the person that keeps coming to my mind is Elon Musk. I mean, that guy, I'm not a fan. I'll just say, I think he's an idiot. And I think that um, he's destroying a public utility right now. And maybe something happens around this period of time where, you know, he finally has to like step down or something like that from Twitter. He's, he's made it that these polls where he's like, oh, I'm going to step down from Twitter if enough people in this poll say I should. I mean, this, this is how he runs his business. <laughs> this, this is crazy to me. 
Um, but anyway, so an awareness in the collective of some kind of uh, authority figure, like CEO type figure might come into the, the public consciousness. And in turn, we may be aware of our own power structures and dynamics that need change in our own lives as well. All right. So that is the sun in Capricorn 3. This is another opportunity for us to take a little stretch break. And if you have any comments, put them in the chat. If you have any questions, please hit the like button, friends. Hit the uh, subscribe bell. Turn on your notifications. Stretch it out. Get a snack. Shake it out. Sometimes I shake now to get all my get all the energy out. Wake up my nervous system, right? This is a uh, something where we're practicing self-care. You know, listening to our bodies, especially when we're doing these long, longer marathon sessions. And again, it's awesome that you're here live with me. But oftentimes, people listen after the fact and and take in these live streams piecemeal, uh, more related to the time that they're specifically going through. But I like to do them in one big swoop so that I can kind of focus on other things for the week. <laughs> I don't know how some of those folks do it where they post like eight videos a week. Because then not only do you have to post that video, you have to post the promotion and the thumbnails and all of that for the videos. And I find that kind of thing very tedious. So I consolidate. I don't have a team. It's just me. Every once in a while, my partner will help me. God bless her. But it's mostly me doing all of it. The research, the promo, the live. One man. I'm a one-man one army here. But I love it. Okay, I'm looking through the chat. Lynn says, ah, Sun conjunct Pluto right on my Jupiter. Oh, no. <laughs> Pluto and Capricorn has been all about endurance. Yeah, I need some helpers, Yana. I do need some helpers. Maybe that's my, my 2023 thing is figuring out how to find the right helpers for what I'm doing. But we'll all have a journey we'll need to go through. It's tough. I will say, as a fixed rising... As, or specifically as a Leo rising, I think Leo folks have trouble delegating. At least I've found this. I'm not a great delegator. And the Virgo parts of me are very meticulous about how I want things done. Excuse me. So sometimes I'll struggle with delegating tasks as I have a very, I don't know, anal retentive way of doing things. But it works for me. I just Sometimes I'll just have to keep the scale smaller because if I want it done the way that I want to do it, I'm just going to have to only do so many things, right? And that might be true for your life too. Like if you have to do things a certain way, sometimes you can only do a few things extraordinarily well or to your own standard, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. And you might have to let go of some of the other things that, that you might not be able to do in the way that you want to do them. Um, okay. Oh, you all are so sweet. Uh, Raven says, if you ever need, I would love to volunteer, help run your social media. Well, Raven, maybe we'll be in touch. Let's see. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, Kate says, 2818 is my Mercury, so I'll put more thought into this Sun-Pluto stuff. Yeah, Kate, you're going to feel that. Um, 
I do appreciate all of you, and I've I have had some I have had some help. I I want to I know he probably took off here, but I want to shout out to Remco for being uh, the moderator that we have here. Basically, Remco was just like, I'll moderate one day as we had like some porno sw- spammer in the chat. Like, <laughs> he's done a great job ever since. So appreciate, really appreciate uh, his work. And um, a lot of other people have reached out and done various little things here and there. So thank you for that. I really appreciate you. Um, Rachel says, I think your content is a heavy enough commitment, <laughs> but it's also the depth of each discussion. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. I'm trying to think of some new things in 2023, but I may have to find I may have to find some helpers if I'm going to expand what I'm doing, um, because I don't know if I can take on any more new things and do it the exact way that I've been doing it. Um, so either something's going to have to go, or I'm going to have to expand my my team, so to speak. So we'll see. So that being said, in Aquarian fashion, let's talk a little bit about Aquarius One. You all doing okay out there? I think we're heading into the, what are we at here? Hour two and some change. So what we are looking at with the last part of this journey is we are going to be talking about Aquarius one. And we've already previewed it over our talk this week. Here is the five of of swords. Now, the sun is in its exile. The sun is in Saturn's house. In the theme of Mundi, the sun is opposite Saturn in that metaphorical natal chart of the world where they place the planets in various locations that was supposed to be like the birth chart of the world. So solar energy and Saturn energy is sort of at odds with one another. So when we place the sun in the house of Saturn, it is difficult or more challenging to be an individual point of consciousness like the sun likes to likes to be it is harder to feel that vitality and heat it, it's hard to find clarity which i think the sun and illumination because saturn is a, is a planet that's associated with darkness it's associated with communal responsibility with like the outer limits the boundaries instead of being the center of things which they considered the sun in traditional astrology it is it's the periphery right doesn't mean that one is better than the other or one is like you know more fun or whatever although i don't know i'm not sure how much fun aquarius is (laughs) this is from a leo rising though so take it with a grain of salt Uh, us leo folks have been getting our butts kicked by by uh saturn and aquarius i think and any fixed rising person or fixed sun or fixed placements have been really getting getting the business from saturn and aquarius which that's okay there's a time and a place for everything right but the the gist of this card it's a it's a venus ruled decan it is something where you are intentionally going out into the fringe of society you're leaving the center behind you're leaving the castle like your Capricorn is maybe things that are inside the walls or the moat of the castle. And then you're like, eh, this, this kingdom is corrupt. I'm going to go off into the wilderness willingly because you don't want to be a part of it anymore. You don't want to be part of that system. So there may be, there's a liberation through that too. With When you're not part of that system anymore, you, you kind of make your own rules on some level. Uh, so there's, there's a, a liberation that comes through that, that we may be experiencing around this period of time. 
the other thing that's challenging though is sometimes when you don't have all the resources of the of the uh the center you got to be really innovative on how you feed yourself how you support yourself um because you might not fit in with the way things have always been done or with the people that have access to all the power and resources and things like that so uh, again this is some part of the the rationale that we see for the sun being in its exile and in saturn's sign because saturn is so powerful during this time in the northern hemisphere and where i live february late january early february it's like cold the sun is is weak um you, you know you're just slogging through winter trying to figure out how to get through to the warmer days potentially but it's a time where you really have to to use your resources wisely um, because you might be getting at the end of your stores that you had from the fall um, your energy may be flagging uh, you should get yourself a sun lamp like this maybe during that period of time uh, and lean on your community sometimes you, if one person runs out of food during aquarius time another person might need to, to swoop in that has more and share like that that's i think another energy of aquarius is that we lean on our communities uh during this time to get us through some difficult times okay okay uh, we've got some nice comments here that i'm looking at um yeah people are commenting on the something's got to go or maybe it's time to expand right yeah that's the question that you have to ask right because you can't really do both. You either have to delegate responsibility or just you're just not going to, you have to accept that you just can't do everything yourself and you have to figure out what's important to you. Like for me, like it's, I think that it's sometimes it's challenging to, to trust people into your inner circle, right? And you have to figure out if the people that, that are you're bringing on board are going to have the same values that you do as far as like the, the quality of your content of what you're actually trying to achieve. And that's really important to figure out during this period of time is, if you are going to join up with others, I think that you can get past some surface level things as far as how things are done, as long as the essence of what is motivating you is is similar, you know, and that's where we, we, we can we can apply that wisdom to our relationships too. like sometimes our partners don't like the same things that we do. But if if the essence that is driving us is similar, if our, our shared sense of value and, and purpose is united then we can do things in different ways and accept each other for who and what what they are. Um, boom, 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 boom. Oh yeah, when Kate's Leo rising is getting hammered by by Saturn. <laughs> like, okay, we'll get through this time. And you have the added bonus of having a uh, Aquarius Sun, so <laughs> joy. All right, so the mark of exile, five of swords. Uh, the, remember that spirit w is Daiki, which is a personification of justice, which we may, f because we are aware of an injustice, that we may intentionally go off into that wilderness. The other thing is that there is a, a connection with um, the Sephira Gavura with this. And Gavura is, is a Mars Sephira in the, in the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. And it usually shows us our limitations. So we may have limitations of, of thought of of our rational process where we're like ah oh, this idea this is the as far as we can go with this idea now we have to find some other idea um there may be feelings of exclusion in this second and in this sign in general I, I have a lot of aquarian friends who have really had some painful experiences with 
not feeling accepted by by their communities, by the whole, um, and they oftentimes they either accept that and they're like lean into an alternative community that where they can be uh, weird together. Okay, and and I mean that in the most loving way. Like I think that we're all sort of misfit toys on this we're on this channel, right? We're, we're doing some weird sky magic <laughs> that if we talk to certain people in our lives, they're like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? But we found community with each other, right? Um, but other times it, it can lead to some resentment and some some feelings of, of real pain because there's things that we're, I think it is a general human need to want to feel acceptance and want to feel acknowledged for our light and for our, our sense of individuality. And, uh, Aquarius can be a time where we're really struggling with that. So I think that if you come to terms with that, that there will just be certain people that aren't going to get you, that I think that instead of resisting that, you'll be able to find communities, like maybe like like this community, like you should, all of you that show up here today. We're finding community in something that is a little bit outside the mainstream, and we're finding belonging and inclusion through that. And that's why I like to do these things live now, because now you're a part of it rather than just um, you know, being outside of it, you're you're uh, we're connecting through these these airwaves, so to speak. All right. So I think that that gives you the the vibe. And again, Venus ruled Deccan. Try to find beauty in that which is discarded, that which is in exile. Okay. Try to appreciate doing something unorthodox. Okay. That's that's the period of time that we can get through from. Uh, January 20th through the 30th. So I'm going to share the screen once again. And we will see, we're getting to January 20th. There's the sun ingressing into Aquarius. And now the sun's going to be co-present with both Venus and Saturn. Okay. Um, and Venus is now making an application to Saturn. Now, there's a couple things that I think that are coming up with this. I mean, first of all, we're going to be experiencing a new moon that is going to happen right here on the 21st, as simultaneously as Venus is applying to a conjunction to Saturn. Now, keep in mind, Saturn is, or Venus is still in that malefic enclosure, okay? There's nothing right now, not even the moon, that is going to be breaking it up, but once Venus hits Saturn, then we are liberated, where there's some kind of ending to that uh, challenging situation. And I think that that's important to, that, that, that word is important. Saturn also shows us the end result, the consequences of things. And I do think that there might potentially be some important uh, endings, unravelings, releasings that come at this new moon. Um, we may be intentionally leaving something behind and that, that says, well, we, we, we're finally done with this thing. And the tension that we felt while Venus was in the malefic enclosure was necessary to, to get us to the point where we finally say, I've had enough. This is just not the right place or space for me. And I need to go my separate ways. I've been watching a show recently that I really enjoy. That's just kind of like, it's just a fun show. It's called Letterkenny. It's a Canadian TV show written by Jared Kiso, who's a really brilliant writer. And it's really just about 
an intersection of Canadian, I don't know, archetypes, but exaggerated versions of them. Like you've got kind of like the farmers, which they call the hicks, the skids who are sort of like the, the burnouts, uh, the hockey players, the jocks. Um, you've got people that you've got uh, indigenous res reservation folks that come and interact and there's, a, there's just this meeting of all these cultures, and, and there's a really great way that they write the show that's very, very intelligent, and, but also very funny and irreverent. And um, I just watched an episode where the main character, spoiler alert, this is like season five or something, where he's trying to date a woman that is pretty rough around the edges, I guess you'll say. And they're trying to give it a go, right, and have a, a relationship. And they realize during their time together that they just have a different way of interacting with the world. And they don't like have this huge blow up. They don't have this huge fight. They're like mildly annoyed with one another for this, for one episode. And then they are like, you know, we're just not the right people for each other. And that's okay. <laughs> let's, let's go have another little romp and then go our separate ways. And I think there's something beautiful in that where they are willing to acknowledge the person that the other one is without, you know, completely like, you know, dragging them through the mud and invalidating who the other person is and then saying, we're just not the right people for one another. That could be something that, that I think we experience, especially with Venus con conjoining Saturn. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be the end of a relationship, although I think that there's some relationships that could end with the Venus-Saturn conjunction. But it could be the, the, the end of a desire, the end of something that you wanted, that you were like, you know, this just isn't right for me, and that's okay. I've been trying to make this work. I felt all this tension. Maybe it's just time to un unravel this, this knot. And that's, that's what Austin Coppock calls this decan, the third decan of Aquarius is the knot, where you may have to temporarily revisit something to be able to, to learn and glean what you need to learn and then move on. Finally, just to move on. You can see the seven of swords card where someone's sneaking away into the night and they are carrying five swords with them, but they're leaving two behind. So there, there's going to be something maybe that is left behind here. Um, and... It may feel very, there may be a sense of finality to it, which I think is interesting because this is a new moon. This is a, a new beginning, but it might be the beginning of an ending potentially. So try to have grace with your partners. Try to have grace with your desires and your beliefs. Um, and if the events of January show you that something that you wanted isn't right for you, try to be a mature person about it and try to uh, acknowledge the, the gifts that you received through that interaction, through that desire, through that pursuit, and then let it go. And Kate says like finishing a masterpiece. Yeah. Like it could be something that is just, you're, you've learned what you need to learn. You put the energy into what you need to learn. Now it's done. And yeah, it could, it could very well be a, an artistic project, it doesn't have to be like this, this like super, um, I don't want to scare everybody and be like, oh, oh my relationships are going to add. No, it doesn't have to be that the worst case scenario. Although some people will experience that. It could be like Kate is saying, it could be like you've worked really hard on something and now it's time to send it out into the world. It's time to let it go. There's no, no more work to be done. 
you've done what you could do. There's an inevitability to it. Uh, and, and one thing I will suggest and offer during this period of time, I, I, I've talked about this before in the past, but I love the concept of Wu Wei, which is a Japanese artistic concept, which leaves the final percentage, 10%, whatever it is, to nature to complete. Sometimes we don't always have to like work something to death. Sometimes we need to leave a little bit of space, a little bit of rough, rough edges. Okay. There's can be a beauty in that. And there may be a beauty in, in, in that with your interpersonal relationships too. Like maybe you don't have to figure out every single little piece to be able to move forward in your life. Maybe you don't have to have every T and I crossed and you don't have to, to get closure on every single issue between the two of you to like actually go move on. Because it can feel like that sometimes. It can feel like, oh, we're, we're, we are, we need to, to revisit every argument we've ever had and find closure. And it's like, no, no, you don't. Sometimes you just have to get to the point where you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'm just going to go my way and you can go yours. And we don't have to completely rehash every single grievance that we had with one another. Okay. So that might be part of this equation. Um, we're also going to see on the 22nd. Well, let's, let's spend a little bit more time on the new moon first. I, I just think that this, this Saturn-Venus conjunction is going to be a really important part of this new moon. Okay, We're going to be initiating going off on our own direction because of a significant ending, potentially. Um, Jupiter is sextile. Okay, So with the Jupiter sextile to the new moon, if you, if you do decide to go your own way, you know, as Fleetwood Mac would say, um, it, you might really find some joy in being an individual, in starting something where it's, it's just really your own, your own initial expansion of who you are as an individual. Sometimes the end of a partnership can be the birth of a new individual state of consciousness. And I think that that's something to really acknowledge at this new moon, too, is that uh, even though it might feel like a, a, some painful endings, um, it's going to birth something new. And, and I, the story that I really think about with this one is the spirit of Aquarius three, the third decan of Aquarius is Osiris. And Osiris and his mate Isis, you know, Isis had to reconstruct Osiris after he was murdered and split into many pieces by their brother Set or her brother set due to jealousy and anger and all of these things. And Isis reconstructs Osiris and eventually comes together and copulates and is pregnant with Horus, the new king that is, needs to be born in the next cycle. And um, eventually Osiris is, I think, murdered again uh, and, and then becomes the lord of the underworld. So it was, it's a temporary coming together but for something new to be born. And I, I feel like that's Jupiter's role in Aquarius or in Aries here as the sextile saying, yeah, maybe there's an Osiris experience, but maybe Horus is born out of it. And I think that that's a, I think that's a really fascinating piece of this um, because here we have now Mars is trying all this Aquarius stuff say, okay, we can finally move forward with our ideas. We've got the, the, the fuel, the fire, that is going to be igniting all of these new ideas of something new outside the norm. Okay. Mercury's direct, Mars is direct. Everything's starting to become direct here. 
Okay, you've gotten the finality. You've got Venus that's going to be escaping from that difficult, malefic enclosure. You've gone through some squares to, to Uranus, and we'll have a few more where you're going to have to figure some things out. But this is the moment where I think things start moving forward again. And that's why I decided that I th I'm pretty, pretty sure that I'm going to launch my new guided group study book club type of sessions on Monday, January the 23rd. I think this is going to be the, the date that we're going to see. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm probably going to do that on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern again. Um, so again, keep your eyes peeled for that. But as we get to the 22nd, here we have Mercury coming into a trine again, direct with the North Node. So something smoothing out in the process. Again, that, that Mercury was retrograde when it was making a trine before, and now it's direct. On the 22nd, that's where we have the actual conjunction between the Moon and, I'm sorry, with, with uh, Venus and Saturn. So we may feel the spark during that new moon, but then we have another day for it to kind of unfold. 22 is a master number in numerology. Maybe there's something really important that's going on around this period of time. It's the end of the malefic enclosure uh, with Venus uh, conjoining Saturn and starting to separate from that. So that's, that's good news. That'll probably be some kind of relief. Whether something important ends, it'll probably be a relief because there's, there's tension that was going on within it. Um, the other thing that's happening, another fascinating thing, is that Uranus is stationing direct on the 22nd as well. Um, so the way that we've been reviewing our, the way that we share resources, Six of Pentacles, the way that we uh, establish our daily routines and habits, we may be starting to put those into action now as Uranus is stationing direct. We also may be seeing, in particular, um, some real questions about how we utilize our, our collective resources. I, I just, Aquarius, a lot of the times we see a lot of things happening in the news that have great consequence for everybody, for communal consequences, because we're really just trying to figure out what the new blueprint is that we're going to live in, in agreement with one another. So maybe there's some important end to a conflict or something of that nature around this period of time, or, the, or we, we make an agreement where we're able to start moving forward as a collective around this end of January period as well. I mean, I guess I can only hope and pray that maybe it would be the end of a Ukrainian conflict or the end of that war or something of that nature. Um, and, or, or maybe there's some kind of climate change agreement or, or something of that nature. I know that we've had lots of inklings, like there was a meeting recently with a, a climate accord, but uh, I think they came to an agreement of some sort, but now it's the hard work of actually putting it into action. So keep your eyes peeled in the collective for things like this. But again, as above, so below, as within, so without, as collective, so personal. So you can apply these themes and concepts to your own life as well. All right. Um... Yeah, Jody is saying the book club is great. Everyone should join. Thank you, Jody. Yeah, we had a really nice time. Book club, guided group study. What we did is we we read a number of chapters in Demetri George's Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, Volume Two. Uh, did some of the exercises within it. Looked at example charts um, to apply the concepts in real time. In when we met up in class, we had a Discord server where there was discussion and chart sharing. We had a little side. Uh, thread for sharing our pictures of our pets and things like that. So we really, we created some nice community. So I, I'm hoping to continue that and um, 
welcome new people as well too. So keep your eyes peeled for it. Beth is saying, this is the hope I feel for fleshing out my divorce and family reconstruction. Oh, I'm sorry, Beth. I'm sorry that you're going through that. But yes, that that is a very uh, poignant observation, friend. Um, I believe Beth has some Aquarius placements, so maybe this will be one of the moments where it's finally like come together and be able to go separate ways, right? With the Venus, um, Saturn. I think the other thing that that Venus and Saturn coming together could do is it could make some of the the partings more harmonious. So I, I, we've been asked to do a lot of really challenging work with Saturn and Aquarius as far as leaving certain things behind. I think Venus could just make that process just a little bit more graceful, um, a little bit more um, peaceful, where we're letting bygones be bygones. This is actually something that came up in the hexagram. Um, we have some challenging things about how we nourish ourselves and what we seek to bring us happiness and joy. And the, the, it was changing to the hexagram uh, grace and beauty and adornment. So maybe through just using a little bit of goodwill towards one another, we can make these partings a little bit easier on everyone. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of great, a lot of great people here that are in book club. We have Jody and and Lynn and Beth all, all really had great insights in our group. A lot of a lot of people that really had some really great contributions. So I'm really grateful that we were able to do that and, and looking forward to the next session. Okay, so that's the 22nd. The new moon, the conjunction of Venus and Saturn. We've gone through the squares with Uranus. Uranus stationing direct. And then at 24th, whoops, on the 24th, we're going to have a sextile between the sun and Jupiter. So a lot of the hard work that you have been doing, you may be really starting to see the light when it comes to your own individuality. There's probably going to be, I would say throughout the beginning of 2023, you're going to have to rely on your own, uh, your own abilities. I think that um, it's going to be really important to start to believe in yourself more um, because the, the, the nodes are going to shift to Aquarius and Libra, where the North Node is going to be in Aries. Did I say Aquarius and Libra? I meant Aries and Libra. So the North Node is going to be in Aries, and the South Node is going to be in Libra. So a reduction in partnership energy uh, coming in 2023 and an increase in our individuality and, and our ability to be an individual point of consciousness. And I think this is start, sort of the, the big picture viewpoint that's going to launch a lot of that. So I think it's one thing you can do is start preparing yourself to figure out how you can rely on your own resources, um, how you can believe in yourself and your ability to be a pioneer and an individual. That doesn't mean that every relationship in your life is going to go away. It doesn't mean that you can't ask for help when you need it. It just means that there may be some situations in your life that are out of balance. And how do we, sometimes we restore balance to a situation by being a little bit, taking our own needs into account. Um, this is something I've had to learn the hard way. I, I tend to be a giver uh, and I, I sometimes have to learn healthy boundaries and learn how to take my own needs into account when I'm doing things. Um, so that, you know, that being said, like, <laughs> we'll see what's, what we're going to do moving forward as far as like, you know, just how I do my business and everything. But um, I may be, I may be changing the rates of my readings in the 2023. So if you're interested in getting a 2022 rate 
uh, you might want to book that in the last week, just a heads up friends. Um, I don't think I'm going to do anything crazy. It's, it's just, uh, every once in a while you have to account for your time and figure out what, what kind of investment you're making and what your return on your investment is. So, um, just a little thing that's popping up in my brain as I think about that. Okay. Questions, comments, and thank you for the compliments on the, on the class friends. I, I've really put a lot of energy and hopefully uh, create, try to create a safe space and, and supportive an environment for that. And I think we really had a nice, a successful, um, a su successful class. It was, it was really a lot of fun. Okay. We're getting into the last hour here. <laughs> let me, let me get some more fuel for the fire. Let me take this opportunity to remind you to hit the like button. Um, if you do want to power me up with money, you can hit the, the dollar sign in the chat. <laughs> like, um, it's called Super Sticker, Super Chat. I super appreciate all of you who have already donated today. And uh, if you want to make a, a donation after the fact at buymeacoffee.com, that does help keep the lights on here. And it does actually help me to do the work that I do. So I, I definitely appreciate material donations as well as your participation in the chat and hitting the like button and subscribing. All of those things are, are positive things you can do to support the channel. So thank you, friends. Okay. The 26th we have Venus ingressing into Pisces. Now, I feel like this... This is almost like a, I don't know if it's a reward, but it's just like, you know, to me, this is, this is like Venus has gone through the ringer for the beginning of the month. It's, it's been in that malefic enclosure. It, it had a really tough reality check with Saturn. Maybe it went through an ending and now Venus is moving into her exaltation and trying to reconnect with our emotional center, trying to find a new sense of purpose. When something ends, oftentimes we get into this liminal space where we don't know what is happening next. So I, what I would encourage you to do here is just feel your feelings after Venus has gone through this journey. Don't rush things. Go internal into your own vision. Practice some good self-love. Practice compassion for not only other people, but for yourself. Um, and live into the answer. There can be some really beautiful, cathartic experiences with Venus and Pisces. Listen to music. Take a bath. Uh, treat yourself a little bit. Um, the, the boundaries that we might have been feeling with other people get dissolved with this placement quite a bit. What I will say, though, is when Venus first moves into Pisces, that first decan is a Saturn ruled decan. There may be some confusion. You may be really trying to find out what your purpose is. You may be feeling dissatisfied with the way things have gone. You may be feeling, maybe licking your wounds a little bit from a, a challenging parting of ways, even if it was amicable, it can still be painful. And we're trying to search for the new spark, the new sense of our finding our why. And I think Venus is going to help us do that at the end of the month, finding our why. So allow yourself that time. Allow yourself that uh ability to be supported by the universe and by your higher self as Venus moves into Pisces. Um, the only challenge that we're going to have with this is that the host of Venus is going to be in its in aversion. So 
the we're going to move out of a Venus that's hosted and co-present with Saturn, which is a tough teacher, to um, a little bit more benefic, lighthearted one in, in Jupiter. But Jupiter isn't going to be able to witness Venus during this period of time. So it, it, it probably will feel like we're fe hearing this kind of siren oceanic song that is very difficult to get clarity about. I, I, I do think that there will be some nice things that happen with Venus and Pisces, but its host isn't going to be able to help. And Venus is going to be moving in, into a square with, with uh, Mars, which is, is great for Mars but not so good for Venus, okay? So Mars is actually going to be bonafide by Venus's movement into Pisces. So that means even, even though it's an overcoming square, that, that in traditional astrology is not a bad thing necessarily. It means that Venus is really going to be trying to, to smooth out some of the, the martial challenges that we've been experiencing. There may be tension involved in that, but, um, and I don't think that that, relationship is actually reciprocal so venus may be feeling the brunt of like the backlash of of the 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 that help that she's trying to do to mars and there may be some frustration with that although at the end of the day venus wins this battle specifically because venus is really powerful exalted in pisces in the, it's in the overcoming position if mars was in the overcoming position this would be a much more difficult square but Venus is going to be helping to smooth out some of the indecisiveness, the indecision that we feel. Um, it's going to be trying to ease our minds, um, help us to reconnect with the heart rather than getting so stuck in our mind and in our thought processes. So I think this is a great time for, for rest, um, for getting into your feelings, putting on some good music. I always start my day with music. Um, I started to teach my cats new words because I, I think I'm going to try to I've <laughs> seen these like new buttons you can get for your dogs or your cats where they can like learn to speak to you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm still debating whether I want my cats to be able to like, food, feed me, please, Papa, feed me now. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want that. But I think that I'm just starting to kind of prime the, prump, the pump for that. And, uh, you know, this could be a great time to uh, connect with your pets and I, I, I can't remember where I was going with that <laughs> or what the words were. Um, sorry, this is getting to the point in the show where I'm starting to get tired. So anyway, Venus in, in a good spot. Um, give your cats and your dogs hugs. Try to communicate and return to the heart center as Venus moves into Pisces. Um, as we get to the 28th, almost done, friends, almost done. As we get to the 28th, we're going to have a first quarter moon. So this is the another quote-unquote crisis point that we get to when we have, um, there's the first quarter moon, eight degrees of, of Taurus, squaring the eight-degree uh, Aquarius sun. So what we see here is that awareness of how we may feel ostracized, how we may not fit into the group, how we are trying to appreciate the people that are on the outskirts. And we're having it at squaring an exalted moon in Taurus, which is moving through the Deccan that's associated with 
a worry about whether we're going to have enough. Which is ironic because the degree of exaltation of the moon is in this deck and at about three degrees of Taurus where it's really abundant. So you may actually have a lot of abundance that, that you may feel some worry about not having enough. So I, I would say that there will be tension between like, oh my gosh, there's things that are happening in the collective that are scary. And will I have enough? Will I have enough resources? But the moon is kind of being like, yeah, you've got abundance. You know, you just have to make a plan. Um, so there may be some tension between making making your material plans and figuring out how to 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 work with that energy. And thank you, Beth, for the super sticker. I appreciate you, and I'm hope, looking forward to to seeing you in the book club again. Okay, uh, Rachel says time for a chocolate moment. That's a good that's a good uh, recommendation. See, I've got my secret chocolate stash right next to me now. <laughs> I think I do need that. The battery was was low. I think chocolate is a great thing to fire you up. Speaking of longevity, I'm sorry to talk with my mouth full, but my great grandmother. Her name was Ruth, and she lived to be 106 years old. Part of that, I will attribute to her pacemaker. <laughs> the other part, and I asked her, how did you live so long, Grandma Ruth? And I, I had the, the benefit and the joy of being an adult, of being, you know, 20, in my early 20s before she passed away. And being able to go spend time and I actually have about eight hours of cassette tape recordings asking her about family history and just about life, which is very it's awesome. She's a Scorpio son. But she was like, you know what the secret is, Spencer? Dark chocolate. I was like, yeah, <laughs> all right, I'm going to eat dark chocolate for the rest of my life, man. I believe her. Not only is there research that supports dark chocolates like anti-aging, anti-cancer fighting, like brain enhancing qualities, but just tastes really good. And sometimes if you have something that just tastes really good, that brings you joy, that makes life worth living, you know? Dark chocolate. My favorite, for those of you who are wondering... Is green and blacks, dark, 70% dark chocolate. That's my go-to chocolate bar. Doesn't have a ton of sugar. Super good. All right, let's do this. All right, so thank you, Rachel. I'm feeling the power of... of the, the rainforest, <laughs> cacao of the, the the Central American rainforest powering through my veins. Let's do this. So we have a, a this first quarter's square, where this is this is where we we have a challenge of bringing the energy of the new moon into fruition, right? Where we're we're having a material challenge. So we may have some ideas that we're trying to bring into fruition about how to initiate something that may be outside the norm that has communal value. 
but we're dealing with resource questions at the first quarter moon. How are we going to plan to use the resources that we need to, to make it a reality? Um, Venus is going to be helping with a supportive sextile. So there's, you know, lean on, on your, your emotional compassion to get you through this period of time. The other thing that's happening at this particular time is that the sun is going through its bending of the nodes. Okay, whoops, well, that's a weird one. So the sun is going to be squaring the nodes of the moon. So here's the sun at eight degrees of Aquarius, and it is squaring the north node at eight degrees of Taurus and, and the south node at eight degrees of Scorpio. So this is this is a journey that Venus just recently went through. It's a turning point. So I, what I want you to do is look at specifically the 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 Leo Aquarius axis in your chart because Aquarius it, the Aquarius sun is going to be providing resources for the Leo area of your life, but it's going to be manifesting through your Aquarius house, because that's where the sun is going through the bending. There's going to be an increase in in your solar energy, potentially, that's moving towards the energy of increase. So this is a turning, an important turning point at a first quarter moon, with the moon also conjoining the north node. So that's, this is pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. Ooh, Rachel says, uh, Ashley Ellenboss, that's Adam's wife, who is an herbalist, recently made a great video all about cacao. But the joy is enough. Nice. Nice. Um, I'll have to check that out. I like Ashley's work. I think she's a good, a very good herbalist, and they make a great team. 85%. Um, I guess I would eat 85%. That is, that's intense chocolate. Um, maybe I'll have to up my chocolate game. I also make a shake every morning, like a superfood shake that has raw cacao powder, like like two heaping tablespoons of raw cacao powder as its base with like frozen wild blueberries and like this green powder that has all these probiotics and green stuff in it and turmeric and cinnamon and uh, you know spinach and cucumber and a little bit of coconut oil and some other adaptogens like ashwagandha and maca so that's what really powers me through the day is that superfood shake. It's expensive, but that's my breakfast every morning. All right. Okay, Rachel, thank you for your contributions and take care. And I know we're get going on hour three, so you, all of you are troopers. And um, yeah, let me know how you like the, the, the final 20 minutes or so here. I don't know if we'll be that long. Okay, friends. So we have the sun at the at the bending of the nodes. Uh, we have the first quarter moon. So a transition point around the 28th. And um, when we get to the 29th, then we'll have the trine between the sun and Mars. So this is another time where it's probably a really important time frame to, to start to take action on the ideas that you have, okay? To be able to like put into action some of the, the inspiration that you've been dealing with at the beginning of the new moon. So that's the chime between the sun and Mars on the 29th. Uh, we will also simultaneously that day be experiencing a chime between Mercury and Uranus, this time direct, okay? So again, 
this is another time where the it seems like the the wheels are going to be greased for movement for change for doing things and communicating the way that you do things in a new and innovative way so pay attention to the 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 times when you can actually start to make movement forward the beginning of the month still a review period the end of the month we might be talking about go for it o'clock okay finally we are getting into a time period where we have the second decan of Aquarius. And I'm not going to go too much in depth in the second decan of Aquarius. Uh, but it's, it's the energy of passing from one reality to the next with the Six of Swords. Um, finding innovative solutions. Communicating between the center and the periphery. And the moon will be out of bounds on January the 30th. So that's one thing we need to understand until the 4th of February. And the, the last thing for the month is that Saturn, you can see here, Saturn is going to be going underneath the beams of the sun. It, it, there's a 15 degree arc of distance. And eventually, if we were to click this chart forward again, we would see Saturn getting closer and closer to the sun to eventually come to the Kazemi moment on the 16th of February at 27 degrees of Aquarius. That's a really big initiating moment for Saturnian issues in your life. For, for the topics associated with Aquarius and Capricorn. So I want you to look at those topics in your life and, and really understand that the dissolving energy that happens between January the 30th, roughly, and February the 16th is necessary for a new structure and organization when eventually when Saturn emerges from the beams on the other side, when we get to like the probably when the the um, sun is in Pisces, mid-degrees Pisces. I don't know the exact date of that, but you will start to see the new structure of your life being put into place, especially related to those two areas of your life. So try not to freak out if things start breaking down once again structurally around this period of time. I would be very cautious about lacking discipline. I would say this is not the greatest time to be like, I'm just going to unfetter everything in my life. I, I'm just tired of Saturn. I'm not going to do Saturn anymore. Because this is, this is one thing I've seen with this. Like we had uh, chaos that erupted at one point when Saturn went under the beams of the sun um, a few years ago here with the insurrection in, in, in America. There was, there was a, a moment where we started seeing the breakdown of order. And then eventually order was restored, especially when we had the conjunction of Saturn and the sun. And then we had a new, a new system that was in place by the time Saturn emerged from the beams. So again, it's another period of time where our mental discipline might be challenged around this period of time. But be very careful because whether uh, you follow Saturn's rules or not, the consequences of your actions are still going to eventually snap back like a rubber band. So I think it's the way you can deal with this is to evaluate the rules that you've made for yourself. Evaluate the way that you've structured your life, especially idealistically and intellectually. Because we talked earlier about the glass ceiling that we have with Saturn and Aquarius and things like that. So there may be limiting beliefs that you have that maybe, maybe you know, maybe there's time to let them go. They, they may have been the right answer at one point and maybe they're not anymore. And that's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up about it. You just have to flow with the Tao and with the currents of your life. Um, as Saturn is also making its, uh, I guess what you could call it, its heliacal setting, 
um, going under the beams of the sun. Venus will also be on the fixed star Fomalhaut at four degrees of Pisces, which is a very interesting fixed star. It's called the wizard star. It's really uh, a, a very charismatic, artistic, um, wise um, being uh, that used to mark out the winter solstice before the when we had the before that we had the procession of that star into Pisces. It used to be in Aquarius. So um, use your charisma. Use your ability to go into your wise higher self and the recesses of your mind and utilize your charisma for the good of the whole the challenge with that fixed star like any fixed royal fixed star it's a it's a royal fixed star of persia is that if you utilize its energy for self-serving purposes you're you're going to run into some trouble eventually so if you utilize your charisma to manipulate people rather than to be of service that that can you can run into some problems but generally there might be some really interesting ways to utilize that energy in in the positive okay that's the astrology of january <laughs> oh what a journey these these three hour things are these are this is insane isn't it this do, do other 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 astrologers that do this I, I i feel like this is a is both unique and crazy um <laughs> i both love it and i'm sort of amazed by it sometimes but what i do love is spending time with you and i do love being very thorough and just it's just part of my nature to try to get as many details in as, as i can while also contextualizing them in the greater good in the greater whole so i want to thank you for sticking it out with me and for even if you're listening to this after the fact for joining me for various um challenges that we're going through over the course of january um i'm going to end the show today with some divination so the hexagram that i got for all of you that i pulled randomly when i asked what is the essence of january the astrology of january 2023 i got hexagram number 27 and that tr translates to nourishment or the jaws okay if you look at the hexagram it actually looks like an open mouth so um bulging cheeks nourishing others being nourished you are what you eat proper care of body mind and spirit there's a changing line though and the changing line says rejecting nourishment perseverance brings misfortune do not act like this for 10 years there is nothing for which this is beneficial so this line describes seeking nourishment potentially in the wrong places um, rejection of healthy things and gorging on junk food and junk food can be metaphorical it could be literal junk food i know that i've been you know we're in the holiday season People have been very generous sending me like some cookies and things like that. I've been eating a little bit more sweets than I normally would. Uh, and I think that for me, I'll probably be like, oh, I got to return to things that are actually nourishing me and, and reevaluate my own diet. So that might be something that we are all doing during this period of time. But this can also be metaphorical. It can be the ideas that we have that are nourishing us. An idea can be nourishing. Our relationships can be nourishing. Um, body, mind, and spirit. So I want you to think about what you are relying on right now to, to give you nourishment. Because this changing line is saying that many of us may be relying on some challenges as far as some things that aren't actually serving us, that aren't actually uh, healthy calories. They may be empty calories. And sometimes we get into those, those patterns. It's not something to feel, to beat yourself up over. It's something that, it's, sometimes we fall into these habits and 
oftentimes when we're coming out of traumatic experiences, as we all are coming out of a global pandemic where millions of people lost their lives and we've dealt with a lot of fear, a lot of challenging information, a lot of distortion of reality and figuring out what is real and what isn't, we turn to some things that are to try to get through our day to bring ourselves a little bit of a dopamine hit among, amongst challenging circumstances. And I don't think really anybody is going to be able to completely fault you for that at this point. But we, what we do have to do, though, is sometimes we have to come back to our center. We have to come back and say, you know, this is maybe, maybe this idea, maybe this substance, maybe this food, maybe this relationship isn't the most healthy thing for me. And we have to come back into center. So this, this changing line also talks about getting caught in, a, in an endless cycle of desire and gratification, which I've been feeling this a lot lately, uh, to be honest, friends. Like, I've been feeling like, you know, the, the kind of the questions that come up about how do we create happiness? How do we create satisfaction? And uh, how do we, um, what are we pursuing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it bringing us joy? Uh, and certain things in my life are. Other things in my life I have to like reevaluate and say, oh, no, maybe I need to do this a slightly different way. The essence is there, but maybe the form is what is off. So try not to get attached to form. Try to really think about what, what the essence is. Um, it says to turn back to what is good for you, to change your ways for increased vitality. You may be also feeling an aimlessness around this month. And this is probably very true with the Mars retrograde and the Mercury retrograde, where if you don't have a destination, sometimes you can grind through your days. This is something I've been having a lot of conversations with about with my friends and with my partner and family. It's like, where are we going? We're doing all this stuff, but what are we doing next? What, where are the milestones? Where are the, the things where we acknowledge what we've achieved and, and what are we actually heading towards? Because oftentimes life can get into like a grind or a rut if you're not acknowledging those things and setting goals for yourself. So set some goals. Why do you do what you do? Maybe it's time to pull back temporarily so that you can actually see what does nourish you and what does feed you. That's okay. Sometimes we need to pause because if we keep grinding out stuff, content, <laughs> life, chores, it can be hard to step outside of it. That's, I think that's the real gift of Aquarius, really, is to be able to say, hey, time out. Let's hover above all this. Maybe we need to pull away and retreat from our daily habits, lives, things that we're pursuing to see where we're actually heading. Maybe what we're doing is heading in a circle. And we need to figure out that, oh, we're on a little bit of a, a well-worn path and maybe we need to swerve, you know, and that might bring us quicker <laughs> or to something that actually sustains us. So this changing line is changing to hexagram number 22, which is called adornment, grace, beauty, persuasion, ornamentation, simplicity, inner beauty. Um, this one talks about improving the image and the adornments, the, the and I, I think about this as Venus and Pisces, really. Um, good manners, social skills, using tact. I think that once Venus gets out of this malefic enclosure and gets into Pisces, maybe we'll be able to improve the, uh, we might not be able to change everything about what we do, but maybe we'll be able to spruce it up a little bit, make it a little bit more attractive, make it a little more beautiful, and that might bring us some joy. Um, the, the key is not to get lost in the adornment, and to still stay connected with the essence. But there's, there's a reason why we want to 
to make things more beautiful. Like I've been thinking about putting a new rug in my living room, for example. It's not going to change everything in my life, but it might bring a little bit of joy changing, you know, like the, the, that's literally an adornment for the living room. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to change everything. We don't want to get attached to it to solve every single problem, but there's nothing wrong with like sprucing things up every once in a while. You see what I'm saying? So that's the hexagram. That's the changing line. Um, keep it simple, friends. You know, don't overcomplicate things. Like, this is what we do with Mars retrograde Gemini. We have so many ideas that we're trying to overcomplicate things. And the octopus was our animal, okay? This was the same animal that we got for December, by the way. And sometimes that happens. I, I, I pick it randomly. And I, uh, there was a lot of time between picking the December one and picking the January one, and we got the same one. So the octopus, you know, as uh, an observant participant pointed out, they have multiple legs. All right. They have their ability to multitask is is admirable, although we have to be careful that we're making sure that we're doing everything to the best of our abilities. The octopus also is associated with camouflage. So I think that there's some uh, messaging about staying out of sight and keeping quiet about your plans when they're in their nascent stages. You don't have to share every part of your plan with everybody uh, before it's fully formed. I think that that's a mistake that creatives often make is that they try to talk things out before the idea is fully formed. And then there's a lot of people in our lives that can talk us out of something that could have been a great idea had we just like let it marinate a little bit longer. Um, this might be an important time to blend in, uh, to not really get, I love, I love that the, the book that I use talks about not getting caught in your own ink too. If you're going to try to like, you know, spray some ink to get away from a situation. Try not to get caught in your own machinations, like like negative gossip or uh, lashing out to people. Because at the beginning of Aquarius season, you might feel some resentment for, for people that you may feel have either more than you or have more status or more are in the, the insiders. And you may feel like an outsider. And it's important not to let those feelings overwhelm you so that you uh, aren't able to kind of go on your daily daily functional life, right? So be adaptable. Uh, if, if somebody has something that seems like it's something that you want, take notes and maybe ask questions. Uh, I think another thing that is important to understand too is that appearances can be tricky. Oftentimes what appears to be a perfect life for somebody else, we don't always often understand all of the things that go on behind to create that life. And sometimes it's not always what it appears to be. And I think that we, this is very true with social media too, with all the filters that we have. And I'm, I'm speaking both physical filters and metaphorical filters that we put on what we put out into the world. So try not to compare yourself too much to other people around this period of time, because you really don't have any idea what someone is or isn't going through and try to try to bring that energy into the internal focus on yourself. Try to be the best that you can be without that comparison. And then also, one interesting fact about octopuses or octopi, I don't know what the plural would be, is that when a female octopus gives birth, they will guard the nest and the eggs, but eventually they will die. They, that is one of the last acts that they do is they, they give birth and then they perish. So there is some interesting symbolism in that as Sometimes for you to have a rebirth, a part of you must die. This is part of that Osiris myth once again, where you may have to come together and learn something from the past, but eventually you may have to let go 
for something new to be born. So try not to keep every single part of your life alive if you want to move forward with it and accept the, the necessity for change and for the fact that form changes. Form arises and is born and comes to fruition and it fades and it decreases and it perishes. But that essence, the essence of the octopus is still there. The essence of you is still there. The forms in your life, the relationships in your life may change. The love that animated them are still present within you. The spark, the spork of that love <laughs> is still within you. Okay? So recognize that it will find a new form. If, if relationships, projects, challenges, if, if circumstances are ending, it, it can be reignited in a new form once again. All right, friends. That is what I have for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. For all the things in the chat, thank you, KP1231, for your donation. I appreciate you. Thank you, all of you who, who did super chats and super stickers today. Appreciate you. Do me a huge favor, friends. Like this video. Share it with your friends. Subscribe to the channel and the newsletter. Get on the newsletter list so that if you want to be part of the book club when it launches in January again, that you'll know and you'll be able to sign up. Again, I think we're going to be probably starting to meet around the after the new moon in Aquarius. So uh, one thing you can do is get Demetra George's Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice Volume 2. And if you weren't with us the first time, maybe read the first two uh, sections, the first two parts of it, and then you'll be up to, up to date. Okay, that's what I have, friends. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you, everyone, uh, for your participation. And as always, please be kind to yourself, right? Be kind to yourself, which will help you to be kind to others. If you're centered within yourself, that centeredness can be shared with the world. And what a gift it is to share that centeredness and that peace and that calmness and that joy with your community. All right. So I'll see you the next time, friends. Remember, join us on Thursday, December the 29th, of Adam Ellenboss of Nightlight Astrology on to talk about the full moon in Cancer 2 at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, friends. Peace.